Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals, traveling back Yamaha YFC450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're back. Welcome to the latest edition of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, episode 113 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, in stock and available for purchase today at shop.csttires.com. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, saying hello to our nearly 216,000 monthly Digging Deep listeners in all 103 countries in which you are listening, and this is our Iron Man Review Show. We got a special one for you tonight. We'll break down all the action from Indiana's round five of the ATV Motocross National Championship, of course. We'll be joined by two of our favorites who were right at the heart of the action last Saturday, top five finishers Brandon Hogue and Nick Janusa, and then our headliner. After an extended wait awaiting his agreeance to do this, we have series icon and longtime photographer Ken Hill joining us for a wide-reaching conversation that became way more broad and way more awesome than I even envisioned at the start. Right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, you don't want to miss it. Let's quickly shout out all of our incredible partners, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thanks to SSI decals, reintroducing something we are stoked about, Valvoline back on board after inking a new two-year agreement with us. So Valvoline back on board, stoked about that. DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymower Financial Group, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Binkies Forever ATC Museum, Impact Solutions, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping shipping with code diggingdeep20 at manscaped.com. It was big news when Manscaped announced that they were making the jump into the beard products game, introducing the Beard Hedger Pro Kit from Manscaped. A premium beard sculpting machine, the Beard Hedger allows dudes like you and I to style our beards to exactly our liking with a zoom wheel featuring 20 different built-in lengths. This pro kit also includes shampoo, conditioner, oil, and balm all for your beard, as well as a brush, comb, and scissors. Now you're speaking my language, Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I say it every week, and this is a topic that will come up in the episode ahead. So rad that Manscaped is continuing to invest in ATV Racing as a longtime partner of Digging Deep. You know that outside the industry sponsors don't come every day, so we're stoked on that. But you got to help us keep them in the fold and involved in ATV racing by using our digging deep 20 code so they know you enjoy digging deep and what we're all about here support all the great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks click that rocky mountain atvmc banner on our website to help us out The 2023 season is in full bloom, of course. We're already at the midway point somehow, but we both know you still need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end, enabling you to help us out while purchasing the parts you need anyway. And did you know you can buy OEM parts from Rocky Mountain ATVMC as well? 
Yep, shipped conveniently right to your door. I actually used this earlier this week. I lost a grommet and a couple bolts from my gas tank this past weekend. Ordered them right from Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Showed up on my door two days later. It's amazing. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs. No new donors to shout out this week, but if you are interested in donating and hearing your name on the show, you can find the Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee donation links on our website. Major thanks to all who have donated, and if you can't donate but you do want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes and Spotify. That helps us out in a major way. If nothing else, it lets our sponsors, our supporters know that you're passionate about digging deep and want to keep us around long into the future. Now, it's showtime. The 30-second board is up. It's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go! All right, guys, we are back with yet another race review podcast. This one for round five at Ironman in Crawfordsville, Indiana. I can't believe we're at the midway point of the season already. That's a crazy thing to think about. A little bit different template for this episode, though there is a ton of great content ahead in this podcast. But I sat down and recorded a conversation with Ken Hill where we intended to talk about the races at Crawfordsville and it just became way more broad, way more awesome than that. So I thought originally, you know, we were going to start this episode right here with Ken Hill and then get into some of our rider conversations. And I thought, you know what, let's go over a little bit of what happened at Ironman. We'll go over that and then we'll move into our riders and then we'll get Ken Hill at the end because we do talk about some Ironman. Ken is awesome. He's been around the sport as the main photographer for the series for two decades, basically. But you will, you will enjoy the heck out of that conversation. But being a race review podcast, it probably didn't make sense to put that right here at the beginning. So as the ATV Motocross National Championship Series headed to Ironman Raceway for round five of the 2023 season, there was multiple storylines that we were following, multiple riders that were trending upward. We wanted to see what they were going to do at this midway point, a pivotal point in the season here. One thing that is cool about Ironman that I would be remiss to not mention, one is that Crawfordsville, Indiana, home of Ironman Raceway, sits about just 30 minutes south of the historic site of the Battle of Tippy Canoe for any history buffs out there. In November of 1811, Governor William Henry Harrison marched a thousand men into an Indiana Territory village before destroying it and proclaiming a decisive victory over the opposition, now known as the Battle of Tippy Canoe. The historic site is located just 30 minutes north of Crawfordsville, like I said, home of Iron Man Raceway. So much like Harrison and his troops, many of the riders marched into Iron Man this past weekend looking to grab a decisive victory and for a weekend where weather looked like you know things were going to be a little sketchy that is not what we got at Ironman this past weekend the other thing that's really special here in the midwest we have some of the best motocross facilities motocross tracks that the United States or the world has to offer, uh, Ironman being one of them. It's a it's a beautiful facility. I'm so glad that our ATV Motocross Nationals are back going to this venue and this this track, this facility. Obviously, they host the biggest, baddest GNCC event that there is in existence. They host uh, two-wheeled motocross national, of course, at this point. They have since about 2014, I believe. And, and obviously, the ATV Motocross Nationals but ATVs specifically have a distinct, profound connection 
to this track at Ironman. Did you know that the raceway is named after the late GNCC ATV champion Bob Ironman Sloan, an Indiana native who envisioned a GNCC event in his home state? And back in 1995, his dream materialized with the establishment of the Ironman GNCC. As history would have it, Ironman swiftly became a highlight of the GNCC Tour. Then in 2014, like I mentioned, Ironman became a stop on the Professional Motocross Tour of American Motocross, the most prestigious motocross tour in the world. And a year later, 2015, is when ATVs would take to the facility for the first time at a motocross race. So Ironman is special, especially to to me, especially to a Midwest person. Uh, Midwest ATV Nationals just hit different for us. But ATVs specifically have a profound significance with the history of Ironman Raceway. Ironman has been the backdrop for numerous remarkable moments in ATV racing, and most notably, or at least having to be mentioned, is last year's downpour of Ironman 2022, the What If It Rains Nick Ironman event that we will never forget. But for this year, again, like I said, they were calling for rain. There was chances all weekend long, and that would not be a factor at all. Conditions would be perfect all weekend long. And we'll get into this with some of our guests here tonight. I really liked, we don't have a ton of blue groove on the circuit anymore. I really liked how this track developed. Obviously, we know the big hits of Ironman. We know the, you know, there's some off-camber corners or some technical sections and stuff like that. Big hits, like I said, but I love the way it developed. This is the first Ironman that I can ever remember. It always rains when we go to Ironman. That didn't happen this year. The conditions were freaking perfect perfect. I love the way the hard pack developed, the blue groove developed. We don't do a ton of that on this series anymore, not like we did years ago. And I thought that that was really cool. I love the diversity in the series when you have a weekend like this weekend where it was you know, blue grooved and rock hard and you had to find traction. And now at the next event is going to be the most whooped out rough track that we're going to see. These riders are going to see all year long. I love that diversity. I love to see, you know, some guys shine on different tracks and in different conditions. Other guys just seemingly flex their muscles on every terrain. And speaking of that one, Joel Hetrick. We had talked about coming into this round that Ironman has always been one of the tracks on the circuit that most favors Joel Hetrick. Though Chad Wienan did come in on a three-race Ironman win streak, but Joel Hetrick comes out in time qualifying two full seconds ahead of the rest of the field, two whole seconds and one single lap faster than anybody else on the racetrack. I had been prepared to ask Ken to tell Ken that's absolutely absurd, even though we know he's strong on this racetrack. It just seems like, like I said last week, this guy has multiple seconds in the bag right now. That being said, behind him, things were highly competitive. Joel Hetrick came in at a 158 flat. The next five riders, however, came in second through sixth, all came in in the two-minute range. Just about three-quarters of a second separated Nick Janusa in second from Bryce Ford in sixth. There was tons of jostling going around in that second qualifier, which made it so fun to watch. But ultimately, going into the motos, it was Joel Hetrick two seconds faster than the clump of riders this bunch of riders that were all on top of each other. Nick Janusa second fastest, which was impressive for him. We'll talk about that with him when he joins us on the show here. Brandon Hogue, third fastest. He's also coming up on the show. Chad Wienan fourth, Jeffrey Rastrelli fifth, Bryce Ford sixth, and the rest of the crew. But those five riders were all bunched together. And 
that was going to be indicative. That was going to be an indicator on just how good the racing was going to be in the day ahead at Ironman. It was awesome. Spoiler alert, Joel Hattrick would lead every lap but one on the day at Ironman, but that first lap of Moto1 is the one that he did not lead. That one was Brandon Hoag's for the taking after he ripped the whole shot in that first moto. And as we detail the action here from the motos, I'm actually going to use the play-by-play that we do on Facebook. It's something that I think a lot of people have come to enjoy. I have a blast doing it. I'm going to use that for my notes here as we kind of fill you in on the, the happenings, the play-by-play of what happened in the motos at Ironman. So as I said, Brandon Hogue rips the whole shot in the first moto, and it was Hogue, Hetrick, Restrelli, Bryce Ford, and Chad Weenan, your top five on the opening lap. Bryce Ford would get by Jeffrey Restrelli for third. Bryce Ford was a staple inside the top three for most all of this day. Hetrick would then motor by Hogue and into the lead on lap two, but Hogue did get a lap led there on the opening lap of the first moto. So it was Hetrick. Hogue, Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rostrelli, and Chad Weenan on lap two of that first moto. Hetrick would stretch his lead. Uh, it was three and a half seconds over Hogue on lap four. And at that point, Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rostrelli, and Chad Weenan weren't far behind. Nick Janusa was in sixth, and he was inching up closer to that pack, that pack of second through fifth. Nick Janusa, by the end of this moto, would be very much in that battle, as we will go on to talk about. So on lap five, it was Hetrick, Hogue, Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rostrelli, Chad Weenan, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf. Max Linquist, Kevin Saar, and Michael Allred making up your top 10. Linquist got by Wesley Wolf for seventh at that point. Uh, we started to see some flashes by Max Linquist on this day. I think that we're going we're gonna to see his program turn around here. And at that point, it seemed like third through fifth was really getting tighter. That was something that stood out to me at that time. And then I noted that Weenan may be readying to make his move here. He was the quickest guy on the racetrack other than the leader. Bryce Ford was really shadowing Brandon Hogue, who was still running second at that time. And next I exclaimed, what a pass. Bryce Ford perfectly executed the move and slid up the inside of Hogue for the second spot. That was around that tree corner, if I call it that. What is not the first corner after the whole shot, but that left-hand second corner corner uh, up around the tree there before launching off that anthill and Bryce Ford just put together an absolutely picture perfect pass to move into the not the lead but to into second there ahead of the early leader Brandon Hogue and meanwhile Chad Weenan made the move on Rastrelli for fourth Weenan was up to third then after that and before we knew it Chad Weenan had found his way into third so it was Hetrick plus 10 seconds over Bryce Ford Chad Weenan Brandon Hogue and Jeffrey Rastrelli. I then wondered what happened to Dane Molander. We would then find out that he went down to the gate with a broken, busted A-arm, not realizing that it was cracked. And it sounded like to me, I, I believe... I believe Debbie Bartosik is the one that weighed in saying that JB, Jody Bateman, pointed it out and thank goodness he did or that could have been really ugly for Dane Molander. They obviously rolling to the gate at that point didn't have the opportunity to change the A-arm out. They would get it changed and fixed for that second moto. We would then see Dane Molander. But getting back to the action, a couple more riders overtook 
Brandon Hogue late in this one. He was shuffled back to sixth. I believe he had something happen very similar to High Point where he cut a tire late at High Point, I believe. We'll ask him about that. I was told that he had a bearing carrier and he hinted at it on his on his social media page uh, that he might have had a bearing carrier go bad early in that first moto. So we'll talk to him about that when he joins the show shortly. Uh, Nick Janusa was the rider to watch. That's what I noted in my next post, muscling his way past Jeffrey Rastrelli for fourth. And remember, he had to come, he had to catch that pack of top five riders. He not only caught them then from a little ways back, but then he started racing through them. Nick Janusa going into the second moto was a rider that I was very much thinking to myself, I had to watch because he was really, really good in that first moto. So looking forward to talking to him on the show here. But as the two lap board came out for Joel Hetrick, he was followed by Bryce Ford, Chad Wienan, Nick Janusa, and Jeffrey Rastrelli. I noted that Michael Allred and Logan Stanfield were battling for the death at the time for the final spot in the top 10. My next post was Bryce Ford had ridden a masterful race, holding Chad Wienan at bay lap after lap. There was just one lap to go at that point, and Robert Anderson wrote in saying, I spoke too soon because yes... As Joel Hetrick took the Moto One win, Chad Wienan got by Bryce Ford for second with just two corners to go. It was great racing action to watch. So again, that first Moto finish was Joel Hetrick out front plus 13 and a half seconds over Chad Wienan, who made the last lap pass on Bryce Ford. Nick Janusa came in fourth, and Jeffrey Rastrelli fifth. Brandon Hogar, early leader, would round out sixth. Max Linquist, we would see him uh, start to round into form here. Uh, Seventh in that first moto, eighth for Wesley Wolf, Kevin Saar ninth, and Logan Stanfield rounded out the top ten. Before we knew it, revs were up and the gate was down on Moto Two, and it was Jeffrey Rastrelli with the Moto Two hole shot. Bryce Ford quickly overtook the lead, however, almost instantly, and. Talk about instantly. That was quick. Joel Hetrick goes from first to third in the Godzilla section. So just a few laps into the race there. Joel Hetrick had already found his way into the lead there. And obviously he was going to set sail. Like I had said earlier, he would lead every lap in this one. So it was Hetrick, Bryce Ford, Rastrelli, Hogue, and Weenan, your top five on the opening lap of Moto2. Uh, Salinas went down on the first lap. Aaron Salinas went down on the first lap. So he was playing catch up after being really good on this day. I think he was good in the first moto. He was really good in qualifying, making some waves there. I bet you his pick trend in ATV Fantasy was way, way up. Uh, it was a great start for Wesley Wolf in the second moto. He was running sixth early, P6 for him early. Uh, Nick Janusa got up to sixth then. That was my very next post. Uh, Nick Janusa found himself overtaking the sixth spot at the start of lap three. Brandon Hogue then was pressuring Jeffrey Rastrelli for fourth before Chad Wien burst by Brandon Hogue for fourth in the section before the finish line uh, that that what used to be kind of a whoop section sandy section rough section Chad Wienan in the second moto as things got rougher and rougher started to use that section to his advantage so on lap five it was Hetrick Bryce Ford Jeffrey Rastrelli Chad Wienan Brandon Hogue Nick Janusa Wesley Wolf. Logan Stanfield, Max Lindquist, and Kevin Saar rounding out your top 10. Whedon was then all over Rastrelli for the third spot. Meanwhile, Joel Hetrick was more than six plus seconds out in front. And then this is when we see 
Chad Weenan and Jeffrey Rastrelli absolutely duking it out with each other for fourth. Back and forth they went seemingly for a whole lap. It was back and forth in one section or one corner. Eventually, Jeffrey Rastrelli would go off the track just momentarily, giving way for Chad Weenan to take the spot for good. So your top five at that point then was Joel Hattrick, Bryce Ford, Chad Weenan, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Nick Janusa made up your top five then. So Brandon Hogue again, and I'm excited to talk to him about this, but in this moto, he was he was all over the place, going forward, going backward, going forward again. And that's what we see here. Brandon Hogue taking the fifth spot back. So Jeffrey Rastrelli, Brandon Hogue, and Nick Janusa were brawling at that point in the moto. It was so fun to watch. Chad Weenan then had Bryce Ford in his crosshairs. It was getting tight, and Chad Weenan took the runner-up spot from the youngest Ford brother. So the top three at that point was then running in the same position that they were in the first moto, Joel Hattrick, Chad Weenan, and Bryce Ford. In the late stages of this one, Brandon Hogue was standing out. He was racing forward. He was up to fourth then at that point. Jeffrey Rastrelli and Nick Janusa were left battling for fifth and sixth when Brandon Hogue had dismissed them. Uh, Nick Janusa made the pass then on Rastrelli for fifth, so Jeffrey Rastrelli went from grabbing the hole shot to being outside the top five in this one, not what he wanted. And Max Lindquist was, was ripping at that point. He was inching up with that group he was coming from a long way back kind of shades of Nick Janusa in that first moto is what we saw from Max Linquist. Like I said, I think that we're going to see his program really round into form. And all of a sudden, Brandon Hogue was all over Bryce Ford. I looked up, and that's what I saw. That was for that top three spot. Remember, the two-lap board was going to come out next time by. And as it came out, Joel Hetrick, who was now 12 seconds out in front, he led the whole pack. Back a little ways, we saw Max Linquist. He was pressuring Jeffrey Rastrelli for six at that point. There was a lap and a half to go, and Max Linquist had come from a long way back, now pressuring Jeffrey Rastrelli. Bryce Ford was still holding on to the third spot over Brandon Hogue as the white flag came out, but it would not stay that way. Joel Hattrick wins Moto2, Chad Weenan comes in second, and Brandon Hogue makes the pass on Bryce Ford for third in the final corner. So this seems like the perfect time. Let's get to Brandon Hogue, but quickly giving you that rundown for that second moto. It was Joel Hattrick plus 13 and a half over Chad Weenan, Brandon Hogue, Bryce Ford fourth, Nick Janusa fifth, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Max Linquist, Wesley Wolf, Logan Stanfield, and Kevin Saar would be your top 10. But the guy making moves at the end of the race was Brandon Hogue, the last corner to get in podium position for that moto. Let's talk to Brandon Hogue. All right, guys, here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and I'm talking with a guy that we haven't sat down with since the preseason, but one of my favorite dudes to talk to on the podcast here, brought to you by Blender's Eyewear, the official eyewear choice of Digging Deep. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 for 20% off at blenderseyewear.com. Blenders are the, the perfect track sunglasses. I think they're rad. You can find me in them all the time, but the price point is spot on. So Blenders is the choice. That's Digging Deep 20 at blenderseyewear.com. And with with that, let's welcome last year's national number three and 2022 Digging Deep Most Improved Pro Award winner coming off the best weekend of his season so far. It's Mr. Brandon Hogue. What's up, mate? Welcome back to uh, welcome back to Digging Deep. Thanks for being here, pal. What's up, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's been a little while, so yeah, excited to talk a little bit. 
Yeah, I was just telling you that uh, that we had to wait until we had something cool to talk about. So here we are. And buddy, you know, I know you're your you're toughest critic, right? I know you're hard on yourself. That's something that we touch on on the shows here. But uh, how are we feeling? The last two races have seemingly been steps in the right direction for you. Yeah, I'm starting to feel better for sure. I mean, it always kind of sucks, truthfully, when you just uh, you come into the year like with high expectations for yourself and and you feel good in training and training and all that. And then you kind of don't do what you think you're going to do. But that's just part of it. Um, yeah, there for a while, I was kind of, yeah, scratching my head at a lot of stuff, like trying to dig into everything um, with me and, and just the way I'm riding and then the bike, too, and all that stuff. But, yeah, we're just figuring stuff out, like, week by week. And uh, it kind of sucks, too. But we're, like, we're using the races to almost test at the same time, like, we might, you know, try something with shocks and, and our test is, will be the race or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. it it's, uh, yeah, it's just like a, another big learning year for me to try to get everything dialed in, um, with the new team. And, and yeah, I mean, unfortunately we're already like halfway through and nothing crazy has happened, but, um, I feel like we are doing, doing things to, uh, go forward and get in the right direction. Uh, for sure. It, it seems like things are starting to round into form. They really do. Uh, it's been like you're, you're building, you know, one step better, one step better, one step better. And now here we are. So this past weekend, you whole shot the first moto, uh, you lead the first lap of, of the day there. You're the only dude to lead a lap other than Joel. So, I mean, you got that feather in your cap, uh, ran inside the top two for, for more than half of the, the race there, the first moto. So you can kind of tell me about that if you want, but then what happened late? I heard maybe you lost a bearing carrier as well. Something that I had happened this past weekend as well. So tell me about that, that first moto from the, you know, leading early and, uh, and holding Joel off there for a lap and then kind of things derailing late in the moto there. Yeah, I felt great. And once Joel got by me, you know, I kind of just mentally was like, all right, I need to try to figure out if I can at least kind of latch on or stay and, and figure out where he's super fast compared to us. And uh, it didn't really work. Like he kind of got me pretty quick, but I still had a decent, you know, we, I think I was running two minute flats. Um, felt really good, like starting to find good lines and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I did have a. I had an issue. It was actually, I think, before halfway. Um, I remember exactly where I felt like I thought at first it was engine related because I was going up uh, Godzilla and my bike like felt like it completely was about to seize up, basically. Um, So I I end up casing Godzilla and like Godzilla this year was not wide open. It was like you let off at the face and stuff. Okay. And uh, I looked down in the air and like my template was on, too. So I was like, oh, man, this is engine related. I had no idea it was like my rear end. But basically what it felt like was the rear brake was on the whole time, which now it makes sense. Um, I don't know how it didn't like completely lock up anywhere. But like going up Godzilla, it it made me just like, like I said, in the moment, I thought it was engine. And yeah, I'm not I'm not capable as a rider to ride what I was doing. Um, unless everything's like perfect. So of course, yeah. Yeah. Everybody saw what happened, like me pulling a parachute and whatnot, but I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I hate doing that. Like I hate, that's the worst feeling as a racer too, especially when I, I, I really did feel great. Um, I mean, even in qualifying and stuff, like I just felt great all day. Um, so yeah, obviously doing that, like, I was just really pissed off. Um, yeah. and then I went back, I, 
I was mad because I thought it was the issue, but it, it turns out it wasn't um, a different mechanical. And yeah, so swap that out for the uh, second moto. And um, yeah, second moto, not as good as a start, but still really like it was still top five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just early on, like the first three to four laps, I felt like I was just really not riding well, like drifting turns, over drifting. Uh, where I wanted to get on the gas at, I felt like when I did, I just would pop out of the turn and stuff like that. And you know how the track was too, like really hard pack. So you had to have a good traction and and good feel for the track. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I ended up like spinning out one time and I ended up going to sixth and they kind of got me a little bit too. And I'm like, all right, Hogue, like you're really about to go six, six. (laughs) Hey, can we time out for a second though? Because yeah, yeah this day ends up being a six, three day and we'll get into that. But now to know that the bearing carrier wasn't even like at the very end of the moto to know that it was maybe mid moto ish. Like you're really looking at like a, a, a podium day, if not for that. I mean, that type of day, it wasn't a, wasn't a six, three day without the bearing carrier thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, not even being cocky. I just feel like that one got away yeah, from us. I- I'm the one saying it, not you like to know the context of when it happened. It actually makes your day that much stronger is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I I'm happy with, with how things went outside of that. Like this happened, like I said, I think I, it was before I even saw a cross flag on the finish line. So we're talking like, we're talking like five laps in or I don't know if you go look at lap time. Yeah. I can't believe you were able to hold on the way you did then because so this is so fresh on my mind so I, I couldn't have told you the last time I, I had a bearing carrier fail to be honest with you um yeah. I had one mm-hmm. this weekend same same track same deal and same thing like but I only dealt with it for like four laps and still by the end yeah. same exact thing Brandon I thought the motor I thought it was the motor at first And I had so much drag on the motor. Like, I'm like, man, what the hell is going on? And come to find out, I started to realize I hit that, um, the wall after the finish line and I had no brakes. And I'm like, okay, that's mm-hmm. goofy. And then I start to put together that it's a bearing carrier because in the air I get this giant wobble, right? And and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. So I'm trying to jump as little as possible. I'm trying to not give it any gas in the air. And then on the ground, yeah, there'd be, you know, one corner or one straightaway. There might be a bunch of drag. And the next one, it would be free, depending on how the thing was shifting. So this is all fresh on my mind, that sensation. And I can't imagine still going the speed you were at to finish sixth in the first moto. Uh, doing those big jumps and everything with that rear end like that. Like, like you said, I was scared that all of a sudden mine was just going to lock all the way up. Cause that's exactly what happened when I came in. I don't know if that's what happened to yours, but it seized up right away as soon as it cooled down. And, uh, and, yeah. and yeah, man, to think you were going that fast with that going on, like that's, that's nuts to me. Well, and, and I also heard the noise. Like I, once again, I thought it was sure. internal, like, I start, dude, like the whole, from, I mean, the whole back half of the race, I'm just shaking my head in the air. Like I'm so pissed. Like, like I'd I'd hit, uh, and yeah, just how you explained, sometimes it felt like, like it all of a sudden was Mm -hmm. fine. And then like random spots, it'll feel like someone stomped (laughs) on your rear brake. Like it must've just been something catching, you know, or whatever, but, and you know how it is as a racer. Like for me, I cannot do what I want to do unless stuff's pretty much freaking perfect. Like. 
I could deal with something small, but like, yeah, something like that. I, I'm not good enough to do that. Maybe Joel could do it, but I, I'm just not capable. So in, in people listen to these shows, right. That obviously aren't at your level or maybe don't even ride or ride anymore or whatever, but describe to them. I mean, it's, it feels like when you have something like that going on, cause your brain is going a million miles an hour. You're trying to figure out what's going on. You're pissed, get all this going on. It feels like absolute chaos when this is happening, right? Like it, and, and yeah. other, like what you're describing, things need to be perfect for you to be at that level to go podium speed and whatever. And you're the farthest thing from that. When you get, you're dealing with something, you don't know exactly what it is. You're angry. Like it again, chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I told everybody, I almost like, I almost pulled off and right when it happened, I, I almost thought about like just coming down the hill on the side of the track, mm-hmm. but then I'd be like, well, you know, I didn't know, <laughs> you I, know what I, I mean? It's yeah. just, but yeah, I hate even having to mentally, get off the subject of like you're you know you're attacking the track and like you don't want to think about nothing when you're racing so it's like the second you start it's just it's already game over like it doesn't matter if it's or you know Mm -hmm. but yeah just uh just tough, frustrating as tough as deal. Heck. And like I said, I, I wouldn't have been able to talk my way through this with you had it not been so fresh on my mind as well. And I remember, so I came in and I was explaining to my wife what happened and I'm like, man, like I was so angry. Cause I'm like, if it was practice, I'd just pull off and I wouldn't destroy all my stuff. Yeah. And you know, then here goes an axle and, you know, obviously a bearing carrier and, you know, the whole brake caliper got destroyed and the, the brake yeah. hub and the, obviously the rotor, all this, just all the, it ruined everything. And I'm like, I know that that's yeah. not something you're thinking about, but for me, I'm like, man, like why right now, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, it's like, even for yeah. me, I haven't raced any races until, till this one this year, I'm not in it for points or, or whatever, obviously, but just having some fun. But like, as a competitor, it's not like you're going to pull off. Cause you're like, man, what if, what if I would have made it? And like, for me yeah. again, not, I can't compare racing the 25 plus class to the pro class, but was able to limp at home for second. And, and shoot, I was, I was thinking that that was a feat, but, uh, for you to hold on to sixth dealing with all that, man, that's, that's freaking nuts. And, and kind of, kind of like high point, right? Cause at high point, I was told that you cut a tire late in the race there. So it's like two races in a row now late in the race, you're dealing with something. Yeah. Yeah. Like people can, yeah, I got some feedback about high point and it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to go, I, I passed Chad and I, I'm going forward. I see Jeff in front of me and it's like even easier as, as a racer when you see someone, of course. And like, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I had some comments and stuff, but people don't see the shit at the track. Oh, like, okay. I, it took me, it took me a second to realize what we were talking about here, but yes, you were, you were, yeah. and I remember posting, you were the dude moving forward in that, in that race. Like, I I love to see it. I literally posted, this is the Brandon Hogue we've been waiting to see. So I think that, and then people started commenting. It was a, it was a cut tire. It was a cut tire. It was a cut tire. So, uh, that made, made so much sense when I learned that, but obviously a heartbreaker to know that these last two races were your, clearly your best, you're building, you're building yet. You were still dealing with those things at the same time, which I guess, in the end, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe to know that you had your best races of the year and dealt with, you know, those two, you know, kind of strikes of adversity. Maybe that means when it all comes together here, it's really going to come together. Yeah. I think that high point moto one was like one of the coolest races for me because 
we were well past halfway when uh when chad got max and max was in front of me so i and i like just you know mentally i'm like all right i need to get max right now if i have any shot at even like finishing right behind chad and then i pass max and i start to catch chad and i'm like all right like hogue if you're gonna do anything wild like do it now like like i was super close going up the quad and stuff and then yeah i'm like like that was the first time in my career where i actually was like full sends to to get around him and then once i did it was like now like like i wanted to you know i wanted to go wild i wanted to go back up to where jeff was in that moto but anyway just that's what happens when you're when you're just like feeling good and i love it i love it. it's a cool feeling yeah well things are things are coming together so now now uh rewind back to talking about uh, iron man talking about that second moto uh in the second moto there it seemed to me like the battle was on i couldn't take my my eyes off you and where you guys you know the dudes you were battling with were i mean back and forth you guys went four five six five four i mean you were all over the place like you said so you 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 said you focused yourself you started moving forward again and ultimately you move into into third on the last lap last corner so tell me about that battle and and what that moto was like and then obviously what it was like to uh to make that pass moments from the finish line there i mean those are the types of things that you'll remember for probably your whole career i know it didn't mean a podium overall for the day but those last lap last corner passes i just can remember a few of them for my career and it's like man those are really special feelings to know you had to make it happen and you did yeah the whole time on the track when i like i said uh i was in sixth getting gapped and i'm like okay Hogue, you're going six six this is awesome like you might as well go hit golf clubs like you know what i mean and uh but i i really i just thought about like i really want to make luke and emily proud which are the the team i ride for um like they do so much for me and it's like they're standing on the fence watching this happen and like like it's more of dude just when you have stuff like that to think about too it, it makes you in the moment like really want to get pushing again and yeah and then i passed um i passed nick and jeff like kind of like not back to back but it wasn't like too far away from each other um and then i'm like wow okay you know now i'm fourth and bryce had a little gap at that point but i just was feeling really good like um and i yeah i had stuff to prove that i wasn't like i'm not just pulling parachutes like so yeah it just all those clicked and then uh i really love racing all them guys like it was it was fun racing um you have to get a little creative and go out in out in and stuff Mm -hmm. um and then like bryce too i really love racing bryce because he's like me and him ride very similar like we think the same we're both aggressive when it when you know when we need to be um and we both are young and like it's a good there's just a good rivalry there that you know, when I'm behind him, like it almost makes me push more just because I know me and him both are like, we're doing everything we can in that moment to, uh, to come out on top of like each other. So just those final laps, like I just had pretty good lines and was feeling good. And, uh, yeah, like he did, he did everything right to seriously protect the line at the last lap. Like he did exactly what I would have done. That's why, I mean, yeah, I couldn't, you know, he did it perfect. It's just, um the very last second i went outside and i think he thought i was gonna go like stay outside okay and i I just 
pulled the clutch in, like cut in and just gave a gas and there was a little gap to shoot. Um, and I just shot it and like, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things that it worked out perfectly there, but like, yeah, those feelings are, I mean, when I was done, it felt like I podium, even though I knew the whole mm -hmm. time I wasn't going for a podium, but I just, it was a good feeling to, I hope to make, you know, Luke and Emily proud and, uh, absolutely man. Just, yeah, it just was a good feeling all around, even when you're not on the box. Well, and, and to me, like I said earlier, I mean, I, I know you want overall podiums, obviously, but even a moto podium feels like a good, healthy step in the right direction at this point, let alone to do it in the last corner, let alone to, you know, feel like you set the guy up and everything. And I figured that that's how you, how you did it. Uh, just looking at the pictures, I figured that you made him think you were going to stay outside and cut in. And that was a hot line no matter what, what was going Correct. on. Like that was, a, yeah. that was a really good line all weekend long was to, you know, start high cut in that seemed really fast. And I figured that that's how you set that thing up. So again, uh, probably a moment that you're not going to forget. And obviously, you know, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to hold on to that thing when somebody wants it as bad as you do. I mean, that makes it that yeah. much more special. And, you know, I, I know he's, he's feeling it too. I can see, I can see kind of between the lines on the stuff he's posting, you know, that he needs to be, wants to be better and that he's not going to make those same mistakes again. And these things. So, um, so yeah, you, you earned that one, man. You, you ripped it away from them. And, uh, again, like a, a moto podium is, is a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Like I was touching on with Bryce, like I, you know, we can have our big rivalry and stuff, but no matter what, like, I know, I, I know, you know, he's like, he's very, very much like me in the sense of the competitiveness is there. And that's what I really like. Like it's same with, uh, like, you know, Jeff and Janusa too. Like yep. we're all, I love that. If without it, it would suck. Like, it's just cool mm -hmm. to have that. And, and, you know, one weekend I might get smashed in and then the next weekend someone might get smashed in. It's like, it's not like you're always staying on top. Like there's always, if I'm on top and someone's going to be, you know, trying to take me off the next weekend or vice versa, but, and we're all like, pushing each other at the same time to uh try to close the gap with chad and and joel and stuff so it's like yeah the class is just in a really dang good spot for sure the the class is amazing right now it makes uh makes the the fan experience the watching the races experience really fun it makes atv fantasy uh an absolute blast and um yeah it's been it's been awesome to see so far you don't you don't know what's going to happen going into these race weekends which is really really fun and uh now kind of the 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 focus shifts to sunset ridge um but the one thing like that i that i think back to last year when i think of sunset ridge is don't forget the fact that this is like when your strong 2022 season really rounded into form. I mean, there was some adversity early, obviously, and that run of, I know you didn't win Ironman. You almost did last year, uh, but you finished on the box at Ironman. You put together one of the best days of your career at Sunset Ridge last year. So just kind of a reminder that th like this is when things really turned for the better last year. And I'm just wondering if we can't mimic that again this season. You can't mimic that again this season because I literally remember you saying on the podium, I believe at Sunset Ridge, 
that, you know, you're, you're hoping you're ready to turn this season around. And now, like when we think back on how strong your season was, it's weird to think of it that way, but you just got hot late. And I'm just, again, I'm just wondering, we're seeing you trend in the right direction. You're moving up the ranks. And now I'm wondering if we can't, if you can't mimic exactly what you did last year again and get hot at the right time, go to some tracks that you're really good at. And yeah, man, like it, it seems like almost like 2022 all over again. Yeah, I don't know why it's like back half the year thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping to I do definitely remember Sunset last year and I just watched the the film yesterday. I watched it this morning. It was a uh yeah, it was a good good weekend for me and um you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how the the riding is and qualifying and like I'm going to do the same things I did to yeah. uh you know, like I did last year and try to try to yeah just start flowing right away and getting a good good space for the day and yeah yeah i would really love to 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 start at least get my first podium for the year would be super nice <laughs> Podium's but podium's coming it's got to be coming right I, like it's it's got to be getting close i hope one race this year i podium i'll just say <laughs> say that so yeah, yeah it's uh, got it it's it's coming brandon it has to uh will be the first podium for you on a yamaha right we didn't get any podiums yep. on the tdr yamaha right yeah no uh none on the tdr yamaha so yeah first yamaha podium that's what, you, that's what you're on the hunt for. And I just remember last year being so impressed with your speed. And specifically, I remember literally telling you this, it might've been on the show saying that I was so impressed with your corner speed, like your, your roll speed at Walnut last year was extremely impressive to me. Like you were in your own league outside the top two last year, all day long at Sunset Ridge. I mean, that was kind of your coming out party on being the guy for the the third spot plus uh it's got to feel like it's got to feel kind of good i mean that's got to be the closest race to home i would think is is sunset ridge as well so that has to be a, a little extra oomph as well i would think yeah yeah i, I had uh and and sky volcomer too like me and him used to be really like pretty much best friends and he yeah. always goes to that one and okay he's always there like videoing everybody for me and telling me lines and like having having kind of just that home feel too like yeah it's not nebraska but it's still it's only five five hours 20 minutes from the house so it's like okay it is kind of my i would consider my home track but mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah we used to go there a lot when we were younger um like 10 11 12 years old and stuff and yeah and that's funny i used to say it was my worst track ever <laughs> like i used to suck there and then <laughs> last year it was a really good one so yeah, I like the track. They do an awesome job and I'm hoping to They do. Yeah, have a good weekend there and keep keep moving forward. For sure. I talked to Bob Pistol from from Sunset Ridge this past weekend at Crawfordsville and uh it was shortly after you guys finished up your second moto and he said to me, "Man, the boys better be ready for a rough one at my track cuz this track here is way too smooth." So I think uh think that we can expect uh I mean, obviously we know Ironman and Sunset Ridge are polar opposites when it comes to ground makeup and roughness. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if, if Bob's not going to somehow make it like till it extra deep, make it extra rough or something, because she said we all got off too easy at Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting, uh, <laughs> I'm probably expecting the worst for sure. And uh, a track usually does get pretty rough in it general. Gets like blown out, man. So yeah. Yeah, if you could just find a flow there, and I'm looking at the temps like 86 Saturday, so it's gonna okay. be a 
absolute suffer fest, but that's okay. just what we all sign up for. <laughs> so, so, and are you, are you back in Nebraska now? Is that where yeah, you're, I'm, you? I'm in Nebraska. Yep. What is the, I think I saw you riding like your track back there. Yeah. Like the one from when you were a kid, but is that where you're primarily riding or what's yep. the scoop of that? Yep. We, me and my brother, um, got my track running again and made it pretty sick. Yeah. It like, looks good. It's, it's literally been like, I love it at home. I love it. Like I love mm-hmm. being able to, my tracks like, uh, it's like six miles from my house. So, okay. I mean, it's just so nice to be able to wake up, do your stuff. You go to the track and I'm with my brother too. So it's even more fun that way. And for sure, like yesterday we just did motos together and me and him are almost the exact same speed at this track because it's like, he needs to have a nice rut everywhere, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's just like what I wish I would have had years ago is, is, uh, what I have right now. And we have a skid loader out there. Like my grandparents are all in on us making it bigger or whatever we need to do too. So it's like, nice dude like it's i love it here for sure that's awesome that's awesome i was hoping that you were in nebraska because then you really get this home race feel right like it is actually close to home like you said it's five hours or whatever it is uh if you're if you're coming from you know pa or or florida or whatever you don't get necessarily that home race feel but being that that you're close to home right now and i'm sure you're so your family loves that you're back in Nebraska, right? They don't get to see you a ton. You're gone a lot, whether it's the preseason, whether it's uh, during the season, you got a lot going on. I think that they probably love that. And, and yeah, it seems like I said, that's just another, another thing that's going right for you right now. Everybody's got to travel a long ass way to get the sunset Ridge and you don't got to travel that far. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sweet for sure. Um, and just being able to not live out of a suitcase every time is like a really, I don't know. I guess as I get older, I get more soft. So it's just like, it feels good to not live in a suitcase all the time. Like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff gets, it gets a little old. Uh, but I think it's just cause I've been doing it all the time. So yeah, hear you. It's, just, it's been awesome. So yeah, like I said, it really does feel like the weekend that it all comes together might be on the horizon here. And uh, it sure seems like you're well on your way there. Uh, all good with it. You mentioned you mentioned Luke and Emily. All good with the team. I'm I'm assuming. And the Yamaha switch is still liking that whole deal. And what can yep. you what can you tell me about that? Yep, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. Like you know, they're they are doing so much for me. It's insane. Uh, that's why it sucks even more. Like I think it sucks more to like not be doing good for them than it does for me. Like I could care less about you know, if you only let yourself down or whatever, but when you're letting down, like, you know, they believed in me, jumped in on me and we always talk about podiums and like, I haven't even delivered that. It just, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, back to them. Like they're, they're so awesome. We we joke about it all the time. Like they act like they adopted me. Like they, (laughs) I mean, even Luke, like Luke will prep my stuff and be more involved in like my gate drop and stuff than like Emily's taking care of the kids. And it's like, Sure. It's literally like they just adopted me. Like it's nuts. So <laughs> um they're they're just great people. Like they're they're do everything they can to make sure I'm happy. And Luke calls me all the time to make sure I'm good. And it's like nice. yeah, they're they're doing a, a really good job of making sure um I have everything I need. And and yeah, the Yamaha switch too, like I absolutely love it. Um, even though the results aren't there, I, I would never go back. Like mm-hmm. um I'm still on the same practice bike from the beginning of florida i love the bike um we keep making it better and better 
pretty much every week, which is sick. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just feel like we could develop it to where, I mean, with the Honda, I felt like it was pretty plateaued on what we could do. And mm-hmm. this thing we're still learning, like, like, it's like, we're learning something all the time on, you know, everything. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's been a great, great year outside of just results on paper. Yeah. I love to hear it. Um, I think, so this probably happens. I, I really try hard not to like talk about my racing on my show here. Cause nobody probably cares. Um, <laughs> but it happens a little bit with you just because, you know, we're buddies or whatever. But so I, I think I said already that I hadn't ridden since last August until Friday practice at Ironman. And it hit me almost instantly again, how good the Yamaha is because I'm like, man, I can put this thing wherever I want. It hooks up wherever I want. It turns on a freaking dime. Like yeah. it just, it just blows me away how good these things are. And, yeah. and we had been talking, I think before we hit record that they just keep, like you just said, they keep figuring them out more and more. They they're the motors are getting stronger. Everybody's, you know, with the suspension stuff, it, just getting more and more figured out. It's, um, it's amazing. Like they are. And I saw somebody commenting on, on something, you know, talking about, uh, hybrids and how they would compare online or whatever. And somebody had made the comment and I would give them credit if I remembered who it was had said the way that these Yamahas that you guys are riding in the pro class at the front of the pro class, they're so figured out right now that I don't think that they could, I mean, yes, the hybrid's a great quad, but I don't think it's like head and shoulders better than the Yamaha. I just, I don't think that. Yeah. I mean, these things are in their prime. Like I don't, yeah. I would argue that these things are the best, we're probably going to have for a long time as far as mm-hmm. where the development is. And well, I mean, it would take like, some like, yeah, it's not like somebody's just going to all of a sudden come out with a quad that squashes the, the YFZ. You yeah. Know? I mean, even with like all the Walsh components and that the mm-hmm. way that the linkages are and just, there's, there's just homework into that bike that so much, I mean, it would take, yeah. Like it, I would pick this thing over, I'd say any bike and, I mean, like I like I've even said about the hybrid rule and stuff. Like, I yeah. really don't care if they allow them or not because I'd stick to a YFZ. Exactly. Like, yep. So, like, to me, I always said let them because it, I don't think it's going to go any like just because someone's on a different uh, like a, a dirt bike engine. Well, that's going to throw off handling a little bit, and I'd say handling matters more. So it's like, yep. yeah, these things are as good as as they've been for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And and like you said, they're, they're so good. They're so figured out right now. I don't think that if you let a hybrid into the class, it would change anything. I, I really yeah. don't believe that. And, uh, and yeah, like, it, like, like I said, they're, they're just so good right now. I think that, you know, um, they just, they just keep getting better. You mentioned the, the rear end, the linkage, all this stuff, like people just keep making strides with these things. It's, it's been really impressive. And like, is the simple fact that they're just really fun to ride, you know, like uh, I watch you guys specifically you, right. But I watch, you know, you guys like have the bike control that you do. And it seems like it's even, it's even on another level than the Honda. You have that much more bike control. This quad is an extension of you that much more than even what we saw before. And it just speaks to how, how good these things are, how well you're working with them, how it, like I said, it, it feels like an extension of, of, you know, of you as a rider. And that's a, that's a cool yeah. thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And also seeing what Joel and Chad have done to their machines. Like yeah, they, those things are so stable and so like just 
perfect, dude. Like I aspire to that, which, you know, mine, mine is too, but I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. it's cool to see people yeah. doing work in the off season of machines and then it paying off at the track. It's pretty yeah. sick. Well, and to think, you know, that, yeah, the, the YFZ has been around for a while, you know, Chad obviously yeah. hopped on one in 2012. Thomas was riding one prior to that. Right. But Brett made the comment to me, Brett Musig had made the comment to me that, you know, these Yamahas are a lot different than they were when he rode under Chad's tent, you know, years ago in 2013 or 14 or wherever that would have been that he said that they don't even, they don't even compare anymore. And, uh, and so it kind of speaks to all the strides that have been made with the machine and how they continue to hone in on that thing. And the other thing, I guess that, that comes to mind there before we get out of here is with, with Brett, obviously you rode for music racing last year. It's what stands out to me, Brandon, is how passionately those guys are that whole team and family and stuff are still, you know, monitoring you, cheering for you, pulling for you, screaming on the, on the fences. Like that's pretty freaking cool. Like you obviously decided to go a different direction with your race program in, in your career, but that like to have them be still that invested and care that much about you, man, credit to you. Cause that, that speaks to you as a, a not even a rider. It speaks to you as a person. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I, uh, I think it's like to me in racing, that's one of the best things is if you can, if you can keep, you know, like I, I didn't beg them guys to like, like if you can keep relationships, yeah, you know, even yeah. when you have to go different routes, like that's a, that's the biggest win. And with them, uh, like, yeah, me and Brett, I mean, we still talk at the racetrack and stuff and he'll tell me like, just like I'm pretty much under his tent, you know? Um, so it's like, it's so cool to be able to have, you know, like I, I hate burning bridges and stuff. And that was one thing I made clear with them is like, I don't like, this is, uh, you know, everything I wanted to keep, keep the same. Like they, they're, yeah, they're, they're awesome with that. Like it's, uh, it is cool. I, I like the way you put it on just you know we're still good vibes between both of us i mean even last round like we were parked parked pretty close to each other and like you know we were just all so friendly and it's still just like yeah you know like we just want what's best like i want brett to go win and like it's just cool like we all have that same same still desire and uh yeah 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 them guys are they're they're awesome people well and i said before i said before that i was really torn when i when i learned about this deal at the end of last year because I, I thought it was such a great fit and I really mm. like you and I really like those guys. And I know obviously Brett really enjoyed your, I mean, you guys were really successful together. Everything went swimmingly, but I, yeah. I got the feeling like, cause Brett wasn't even really going to have a team anymore then. Like he all of a sudden like lost cause he wasn't just going to have some rider ride for him. And, yeah. and so the other part that stands out to me is I'm, I'm really glad that he found somebody who man, Kevin Sar seems like an awesome dude. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if, you know, it's harder to watch just one rider in the pro class, even if you're Joel Hattrick, you, there's so much going on. You want to monitor it all. So I, I didn't get to watch him exclusively in, in the pro class on Saturday, but in pro-am on Sunday, I came away so impressed with Kevin Sar and how like his abilities and man, he, he was really, really impressive. So, um, I guess where I'm going with that is not only, you know, wanting to touch on Kevin Saar and love having him here and all those things, but 
the fact that Brett found somebody to to somewhat fill your void. I know you he's not, you know, Kevin Sarr's not on the podium yet. He's not in the top five yet. He's not even really been in that realm yet. But to have somebody who seems like a genuinely good dude and really appreciative of everything that's going on, everything that the music racing and repair team is doing for him, I'm just glad that they found somebody to fill that spot because I didn't want to see the music racing and repair team go away because you went in a different direction. If, if that makes sense, I'm glad like it seemingly worked out for everybody. Yeah. I think Kevin was like, a, a, he was a great pick. I knew that the first time I rode with him when I was kind of being like, no, nah, oh, yeah. we like, talked about that on the show right after you had ridden with those guys down there. Yeah. Yeah. I rode with them in Florida at Deckers and yeah, this one day specifically though, like I was going as fast as I could go and I was faster than him. And like early on, I, I, I rode behind him and I passed him and I'm like, man, that probably was like, I should not do that. That's just rude. But, uh, he, he took it like, like he took it. Like, I wish I would have took it. Like he was like, I could tell right away. He wanted to know why, like, why, why am I getting pulled away from? And I want to get faster now. And then we did a moto later that day and I was going as fast as I could go. And it was a full blown 20. And, uh, like I pulled away, but it's not by much, you know? Sure. And that's when I'm like, okay, this kid is, he's in shape and he's like, that's like Brett picked the, the right dude for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm glad he's having success in pro-am. Like I, I saw, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that they're, uh, they're together and it, it was a good pick in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The awesome addition to the series. Awesome. Like I said, it's cool that everything seems to be working out for everybody. Cause I was scared that it wasn't going to work out for anybody, you know, music, yeah. music racing might not be there. And, and like I said to you, you know, I was a little worried because we've all been every one of us that's been at the pro or, or near pro in the sport has been promised some things at some point and, and maybe it hasn't happened. So I'm glad that that wasn't the case or whatever with, with your uh, new team there and just glad it's working out for everybody. But uh, pal, I've been itching to get chat with you, uh, itching to, to, you know, kind of counting down the moments, right. Uh, having something, something awesome to talk about here on the show, obviously, uh, not quite the overall podium, but a moto podium. And I think that that, that overall podium is getting, is getting damn close as we kind of shift our focus to sunset Ridge. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it all comes together there and just uh, appreciate your time tonight. Appreciate you telling us about your season, everything you got going on. I always come away from these conversations feeling so good so i appreciate you giving me some of your time and and yeah man i I love having you on the show i really really appreciate it yeah thank you man thanks for wanting to have me we'll uh keep working and hopefully give you some stuff to talk about eventually but yeah we'll just keep working yeah you've you've given us plenty to talk about all year long whether it was the you, you were running second at Daytona, right? You were flashing last weekend, flashing this weekend. So we're always going to cover you. We love Brandon Hogue here at Digging Deep. You know that. So uh, always pulling for you, pal. I, I think often, I think every time I say your name on the show, no matter who I'm talking to, I think about little Brandon Hogue, you know, hanging out on the futon in my parents' basement, uh, staying yeah. with us. And, and I just I love it. I couldn't be prouder of of where you are as a rider and a person and everything that, that you got going on, pal. I just shoot. I'm, I'm always going to be bonded to you. I really am. So I just love seeing your success and man, I'll be the, I'll be your, your biggest cheerleader when you do get back on the podium. Cause we know what's coming. Hey dude, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. I feel the same, same for you. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate all the talks and we'll have to keep in touch probably more often and 
and just talk about racing or whatever. I love it, man. I, I can't get enough of it. So uh, I'll let you go, but uh, thank you again for your time, pal. I appreciate it so much and we'll see you next weekend. Okay. Alrighty, man. We'll see you. You're the man. That's Brandon Hogue joining us on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, following his best showing of the season thus far. Brought to you by Blenders Eyewear. Use discount code DiggingDeep20 at BlendersEyewear.com. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good night. Yep. See ya. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. The official tire choice of Digging Deep, CSD tires are the choice of ATV Racing's elite on the track, in the woods, and every other terrain. CSD tires swept the ATV Racing world in 2022 as Joel Hetrick, Bryson Neal, and Bo Barron rode their Pulse MXR and Pulse HT tires to an ATV Pro Motocross title, GNCC XC1 Pro title, and 10th ATV Pro Works Racing title, respectfully. Led by champion Joel Hetrick and podium contenders Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rest- and Nick Janusa, CST's Pulse MXR tire is the most trusted tire in ATV motocross today. Available in soft and standard compounds, the Pulse MXR offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. And did I mention they have a contingency program as well? Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CSD takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. The best of the best choose CST. Do you? You know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast, as the Yamaha YFZ450R is the official ATV of Digging Deep. In a move started by eight-time ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, who with his next championship will become the winningest champion in ATV motocross history, we are living in ATV Racing's YFZ450R era. Alongside Weenan, seven-time GNCC XC1 Pro ATV National Champion Walker Fowler welcomed a pair of new champions to the Yamaha Champions Club as the podium-proven Yamaha YFC450R proved to be the winning choice for Joel Hetrick and Bryson Neal. This unprecedented success for the YFC450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the clear fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has resulted in a complete Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Evident by the continuation of Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program, Yamaha riders will once again cash in on payout and prize opportunities in 2023, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com. Follow Yamaha Outdoors as well as the new Blue Crew official channel on social media and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. SSI decals, your decals, your way. SSI decals sets the standard with the best looking decals, graphics kits, and vinyl wraps in the industry. Established in 1947, SSI took shape as an offshoot of their parent company by doing a little work for local pro Chad Weenan. Nearly two decades later and fueled by a passion for ATVs, the company has flourished into one of ATV Moto's most recognized brands. From ATV Motocross, SSI has expanded into graphics and design work for top racers in GNCC, works racing, pro motocross and supercross, off-road, and more, headlined by eight-time world champion top fuel drag racer Clay Milliken. Whether your project is big or small, SSI decals will make your identity stick. Get started today at SSIDecals.com and use code DIGGINGDEEP10 for 10% off at checkout. Things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID and their wide range of championship winning chains. From the street to the track and everywhere in between, DID chains are designed to give you the optimal riding experience with great performance and increased chain life. 
consistent to the core, pick up your box of reliability today. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Namira Technologies. For over 20 years, Namira has pushed the limit of value and reliability in the ATV and side-by-side market. Covering more applications than anyone in the industry, Namira's full line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, and industry-leading top-end repair kits and more have led to higher overall engine performance for your machine. Visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com and follow along on Instagram for giveaways and exciting new products in 2023. Namira Technologies, your one-stop shop engine component supplier. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals and cylinders, shock and suspension parts, winches, clutch kits, valves, carb kits, bearing kits, and drive chain parts, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. As a proud member of Team Valvoline for nearly a decade, I have witnessed their unwavering commitment to pushing the boundaries of performance. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, solidifying their position as a powerhouse in the industry. Being a part of this historically great team has been an incredible privilege. When it comes to my equipment, whether it's my daily commuting vehicles, race quads, or anything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline. Their range of products and lubricants consistently delivers increased horsepower, durability, and engine life. While Valvoline's latest innovation, the Valvoline Ultimate Power Sports line, stands out as a true game changer, their entire lineup deserves recognition. With the Ultimate Power Sports, I've experienced unparalleled performance on the track and beyond. Its advanced synthetic formula is specifically engineered for high-performance power sports vehicles, delivering unmatched power, protection, and endurance. Upgrade to Valvoline today and experience the difference for yourself. Visit ValvolineGlobal.com to explore their full range of products, including the groundbreaking Valvoline Ultimate Power Sports. Discover why Valvoline has been a trusted name in the racing industry for over a century. All right, guys, back here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast to continue our coverage of Ironman. Uh, Awesome to hear from Brandon Hogue there. He's always so good on the show. I do really think that his program is trending upward. But we ended with that pass of his for the top three spot, not for the podium, before the moto. Uh, What I do want to go over is the overalls for Ironman. As we look at the list here, Joel Hattrick, of course, goes 1-1. This is his fourth Overall win of the season at five tries for him, uh, obviously stretching his points lead at this point. Chad Weenan overcomes some mediocre starts, I would say, to go 2-2 on the day. Second overall for him. He's uh, not chipping away at Joel Hetrick's points lead, but he is inching his way up the standings after that uh, four-point day, I think it was, at round two when he broke his collarbone. So credit to him. Uh, we know that, I mean, I got to believe, especially – after some conversations I had with Chad at Ironman, that that thing still doesn't feel great, especially with all the big hits at Ironman. So definitely just as much as I don't want to take for granted how freaking incredible Joel Hetrick is right now, how locked in he is right now. 
he's in Ricky Carmichael 24 and 0 form right now. Uh, same with Chad Weenan. I don't want to just just look over the fact that he's battling through something that most people wouldn't even be riding with yet. So uh, second for Chad Weenan there, 2-2 scores. Bryce Ford, <laughs> if each moto was one lap less, it would have been a 2-3 day for him instead of a 3-4 day. But either way, it's good enough for the top three spot podium position for him. I believe the 12th podium of his career yes confirmed 12th podium finish for Bryce Ford Brandon Hogue we just heard from him fourth overall in the day 6-3 moto scores for him was good enough for fourth overall obviously like I said trending upward and like I said to him Sunset Ridge about this time last year is when things really started to come together so he's going to very much be a rider to watch next weekend at Sunset Ridge where he would love to mimic that 3-3 day he had a year ago to get that first podium of his of his uh of his season here which would be the first podium for him on a Yamaha which uh we're anxiously awaiting that uh, rounding out the top 5 this next guy also joining us on the show is Nick Janusa and maybe should we yeah let's get to him right now let's get Nick in here right now we'll talk to him and then we'll come back to finish our coverage of this event before kicking it over to Ken Hill in a, a can't miss segment I Honestly, uh, you are not going to want to miss it. That segment with Ken Hill was so much fun to record. But first, let's talk to Nick Janusa. Top five at Ironman. All right, guys, this next guest is one of my favorites. Every time he joins the podcast, I've really come to enjoy this guy. Brought to you by our friends at CST Tires and their industry-leading Pulse MXR tires available in soft and standard compounds today at shop.csttires.com. Say hello to fellow, one of the fellow original believers in CST Tires, coming off a couple strong weekends back-to-back for this guy. It's Mr. Nick Janusa. Nick, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thanks so much for being here. Cody, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be here. And, um, you know, talk it out every time. I always feel like I'm, I'm in, in for something good. <laughs> yeah, I feel a little, I feel, I feel good every time, uh, every time we get done with these conversations on the podcast with you, pal. So, uh, tell me about the, the weekend a little bit. You've, uh, you've been really impressive basically every time out so far this year, always in the top five, of course, uh, through five races, you've went five, four, five, 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 but I hinted at yesterday in a post on social media. I just think that your speed has been really, really impressive fifth this past weekend now at Ironman, but you're racing forward in both motos. You had to kind of claw up to that front group, but you know, even before, you know, even before those top five finishes, again, your speed has really stood out to me. It's it's been really impressive all season long. So tell me about the season. Tell me about this past weekend. Yeah. I feel like, um, outside looking in, you know, you, you look at results on paper, whether you were at the most likely when you're not at the race, you're like, Oh, look, it's, it's another, it's another fifth. It's another, another fifth, another fifth. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, not in like too much of a way, but it does bother me a little bit because I feel like I work so hard sometimes and it's like, man, I felt so good this weekend and I'm still on paper the same results. But in another angle, you can look at it and be like, well, I did fix this, this, and this here. Um, something that nobody can ever sleep on is the talent that's in the pro class right this second um, talent and group of hard workers does no justice. Um, you could see the jump, you know, from the pro-am guys and not bashing anybody by any means, but the pro-am guys to pro is like skipping two or three classes to get to like the top group. And I strongly see that. 
And it's, it's so elite right this second. And, you know, this being my ninth, <clears throat> my ninth year, and then you see me with the same results. I think it's something else to look at over the years, the amount of um, not problems, but different competitors I faced, you know, a bunch of uh, fierce guys, you know, when I was racing in the beginning, I was racing, it was racing Joe Bird and John Natale. You know, these were guys that were top of their era of the time. And, um, you know, eventually they go out and, you know, new young blood comes in and, you know, with myself being in there the, with the mix the whole time, I'm kind of right in the center of it all every time. So, mm-hmm. you know, going into this year in specific, I felt really good, really good over the winter. And I laid low about it. I had a really bad crash over like mid late January and I like totaled one of my quads. I had to build a completely different one and I didn't ride for like three weeks and I was going so fast. My, my quad cut out and like the divot of a jump, I endoed, I jumped over the bars. I don't know how I didn't break anything, but I was sure as heck beat up. I finally got a quad together, bought a frame and a arms, this, that threw something together. I'm like two weeks out from Daytona and I was shaken up. I go back to practice that day here at my house and I crashed again my first day back. And I don't know if it was just, um, you know, a little bit nervous and trying to get right back to it so quickly. And I just, I couldn't wait and I was a little impatient, but that speed I, I had early on over the winter, I've been working on a lot to just really overall push myself. And after that second crash, I feel like I, I lost a little bit because I just didn't trust the one quad I was on, to be honest with you. I had so many little issues with it, um, like electrical stuff, no engine related, just I, we couldn't figure it out. And it was always a problem of it cutting out with, with no warning. And I was going so fast in the months of January. And it, it's really, Cody, for me, just been a fact of getting that trust back. And my race machine, I have full trust in, but it's kind of hard to put it into words, but I was doing so well and I felt so good coming into the season. And then I, be honest, I was pretty scared for a little while of just, you know, what it was. And then to have two ridiculously hard hits at my track at that speed and be lucky enough to walk away from both. Mm-hmm. So going into the last race, I pushed exceptionally hard um, and put full trust into my machines and doing a, a lot of sprints and a lot of get that speed back. Cause I do have it, but it's, uh, it's scary to push it a lot of times. And, you know, I'm not going to be here and tough guy you and be like, I'm not scared to go that fast. Mm-hmm. When, when you actually go that fast, it's a little spooky. Yeah. No. So you hit on so much there. Yeah. Awesome to get a glimpse into the stuff that you're dealing with behind the scenes and, and stuff that you're overcoming clearly. And, you know, we've had this conversation so many times and I never want, like, I hate like the, I never want the feeling around the conversations to be negative because you hit on something that I had a bunch of people this weekend had this conversation with me. And this is something that I've been preaching. I really think that this class is as fast as it's been in as long as we can remember. And you're kind of hitting on that. You would know, cause you've been in the class for nine or 10 years. You've raced a bunch of different guys. Like you said, past champions, add Josh Upperman to that list and Thomas oh, Brown yeah. and, yeah. and all the dudes that you raced for, for all those years and battled with. And now I think 
like the the class just keeps getting better and better and better and there's more dudes in there and i hate to hit on every week when you know we're kind of um kind of you know posting about each rider and how they're doing and all those things and i hate to always be like man like last week i joked you know for the millionth time right you're in the top five but i think that that is such a it's something that i hate to always be like man you know, he's, he's always in the top five and I don't want that to feel negative. Like that's a great thing in my mind, because think about how good that class is this year, where you've seen guys like Brandon Ho go from third to sixth, same with Max Linquist go from second to sixth or seventh, uh, this past weekend, Jeffrey goes from at the front of the pack to outside the top five. And you've been, um, you know, I, I realize that, you know, moto scores are different than overall scores, but to be fourth or fifth in every moto this year, when the class is as good as it is, and you guys have been dealing with a bunch of different conditions this past weekend, as we joked about this on Saturday, polar opposite conditions to what you're used to at home. Yet that first moto specifically you go from totally basically disconnected from the top five, six riders up racing up to them and then starting to pass those guys. Like I, I just, I came away so impressed from, from this weekend. And again, I was excited to get you on the show here. That's why I wanted to, because I wanted to be able to tell you, man, I think that we do see past the, on the score sheet, fourth or fifth. Yeah. I, I truly think, like I said, the speed that you've been riding with has me feeling like you're a contender for a podium each and every weekend. And like there's been years in the past where maybe you were a tick off from that podium speed this year like you could you're you're just as much in the mix as anybody in in a group that is as good as we've seen it yeah no i you hit on a lot there as well i feel like you know this it'll go back to the same thing every time and another thing that you know i wrestle with a little bit mentally and sometimes overthink it but the whole shots you know i i strongly feel i would times three or times four my podium amount of times i'd be on the podium three times as much or four times as much as I've ever been with a better start because it's a lot easier to start in fourth or fifth. Like I would kill for a fourth, fifth place start because you bet your butt I'm going to finish right there or forward. But even the first moto, like I think I probably took off 10th. I make my way to fourth and there's some heavy hitters you got to go through. Yeah. That, that that pro class is so gnarly right now Mm -hmm. of speed and smarts, but I also deal with guys that are consistently always in the top three, four hole shots. And that's very hard to beat. You know, it's, it's another thing that, you know, I'll, I'll get an earful from everybody and, you know, with social media or comments or people come up to me, you need to fix your star. You need to do that. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm aware of that easier said than done until you go do it, you know, yeah. and realize how good the people are that I race every weekend Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at my starts, they're not like, they're actually not bad. They're just not perfect. They're just not perfect. Like the guys next to me. I was going to say not to interrupt, but, but it, this is a conversation we've had in years past and they are not like they were two years ago. No, and they're not. But, you know, if you want to be in that top group and a podium guy, you can't be taken off a knife right. because the only guy, the, the only two guys that I think can truly take off in ninth or 10th and make their way to the top three is Weenan and Hetrick. That's about it. And I think Weenan, um, you know, Weenan's got his work cut out for him now. He's still who he is. He's a phenomenal racer. He mm-hmm. still was ahead of me the entire first moto right there and then picked his way. It was impressive. You know, this, just the, the racing man right now is, you know, you look at over the weekend, you know, kind of take Joel out of it, not in a disrespectful way, but he's, he's like truly in his own class. 
Yep. Like just out and gone. And then you look at second to sixth and you look at our qualifying times. Like, yeah, I, I qualified second, but to tell you what it feels like to have five other guys behind me in the same second, mm-hmm. I knew I had my hands full coming in, yep. but yep. I wasn't at a disadvantage. I, I was fast and I knew that going into that. So yep. it's, it's good. It's tight stuff right now. And it's, I'm sure it's exciting <laughs> for the sideline. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's awesome to talk about it. It's awesome to cover it every week. Um, so yeah, like I think that the Wienan thing, especially like that first moto, you know, he was in fifth or sixth, fifth, I believe for, you know, for more than half of the first moto, which I think shows you how good that class is right now. And these guys believe the guys that you're racing against and you, and you believe that you belong in that top five each and every weekend, top three, each and every weekend. Um, the other thing, you know, that I wanted to obviously touch on is that second and qualifying, you know, not oftentimes have we seen you qualify second, you know, the late race speed, the charging to the front, that stuff is where, is where you've really, you know, we've come to know you as that rider, not necessarily the dude that's qualifying second fastest. So, uh, that was impressive. I wanted to know what that felt like going to the line with second gate pick. That's always a good feeling at the same time. And I've experienced that in my pro career, not being second fastest, but maybe being, you know, eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and looking at the sheet and seeing just like you were just hinting at that in for the next three quarters of a second, you know, six dudes or five dudes were separated by three quarters of a second. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that just means that, you know, I got to be at that pace for like the whole race, you know, because everybody's that close. Um, so tell me a little bit about that going to the line, first moto, second fastest, uh, awesome feeling, but knowing you were going to have to be on it with how good everybody was. It's interesting because Iron Man in specific, I've never been like a crazy huge fan only because every time we've gone there, it's rained and we've never (laughs) truly got a track. Right. And not because I did well over the weekend, but I really liked that track over the weekend when it was dry. It was a great racetrack. There was passing everywhere. There was big hits. Yeah. You know, it was fast. It's not rough, but like, it's nothing like I practice on. I don't ride anything like that (laughs) ever, ever. Yeah. So I, I, I surprised myself a little bit, you know, I pushed myself at home a lot weeks the two weeks prior coming into it and going to be doing the same every race here on out. Um, But I felt on coming into the weekend in a good way. Like I gave it my all, but you know, after the first qualifying session, I made a couple like little mistakes, like little things. Yeah. If I clean these up and I was in fourth, like a half second, I said it to my mechanic right when I came in, I was like, I'm going to get second next time I go out there. And I knew second because you look at Hattrick two seconds ahead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do I think two more seconds I can get? Um, realistically, I didn't think, but I knew I could get that half second more. And I, I literally said it. I remember saying it to him, I'm going to get second. And um, the second qualifier, we go out and I rolled like the first half of it. And I went back to six. I wasn't too worried. I was kind of just waiting <clears throat> for a big gap mm-hmm. to open because there was just guys everywhere. And I think I put in one lap that brought me to second. And I think uh, Danny, my mechanic, was a little bit surprised. I was a, a little bit surprised, but like I, I knew if I nailed it, um, I, I had it. And it felt really good, but I'm such a competitive guy that, you know, I look at the sheet, man. And um, to te- I, I don't want to sound like a downer, but to tell you what it feels like to have a guy – two seconds faster than that is like, man, what the heck are we doing wrong here to just be the second fastest in the world on that qualifying session of the fastest guys. Everyone's mm-hmm. in and right behind me, close racing. 
but I'm still two seconds off of the guy that's the fastest on the track. And I always like to compare myself to the fastest guy on the track. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I took it away from what it was, you know, I'm right behind Joel. I think he was even surprised to see that because normally it's like a wean in or, um, for whoever it may be to get that, but right. it's cool to go to the line, um, with that, I, you know, first qualifier, if I were to qualify first, I don't know if I'd really want that. Sometimes I want to see where the first guy's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be cool to get it, but I want to see where they're going to go. And right. especially like Ironman where there was plenty of good gate picks. Yeah. Like you could have lined up in seven of those spots and pulled that whole shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less critical. Like certain tracks where there's like two good gates, you need that second pick. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was good. I mean, it was a good feeling and I want it again. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I, I was thinking about that over the weekend that uh, don't necessarily always want first gate pick or, or, or second gate pick sometimes. You know, you want to see where the dudes are going to be and, you know, maybe they'll leave you a spot on the inside where you can sneak up the inside and uh, and get a start. Um, t- touching on Ironman too, awesome. Yeah, awesome to think that we finally got an Ironman that was dry, right? And we kind of saw the potential of this racetrack. I thought it was really, really cool. I mean, we don't, years ago, I mean, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, um, there was more blue groove tracks on the circuit and and there was more of that and we don't really have a ton of that anymore i mean even high point doesn't doesn't get like that we don't have muddy creek anymore uh, i guess maybe Gatorback could get that way but it was kind of moist this year i mean it wasn't wasn't blue groove necessarily so i really thought it was cool that we got that style of a racetrack being again like diversity i mean uh, you practice on a track that's very much like we're going to go to next at sunset ridge but to go you know have a have a blue groove track i just think that that adds a bunch to the to the to the series i like the diversity um kind of showing the strengths of different riders and and also like like you said i mean you touched on the big hits obviously everybody knows godzilla and that whole section jumping down and how big that is and that big uh new thing in the middle there that triple jump or whatever um but others like some other cool combinations it was cool that they had a big enough you know face on that roller at the bottom of the hill after the after yeah after the whole shot and even that section before the bridge right where you could triple before the bridge all that stuff just to i kind of got this feeling like it's cool for you guys to be able to flex your muscles and show how good of riders you are on stuff like that i just i thought it was really cool it wasn't a basic track by any means it was hard packed it wasn't rough but at the same time the way the combinations got together the way that you could you know the s corners i love that how you use one corner to set up the other i just thought it was a really 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 good racetrack and i hope that this is how this is like the iron man we get every year i would love more tracks like this uh i just thought uh came away really really, really impressed with the, with the track we got this weekend. Yeah. I think, you know, it's always had that potential. We've just surely been, you know, I could use the word unlucky. We've definitely been unlucky with weather in the past. Yeah. It had a little bit of everything that track. Um, I don't think the pictures and videos, unless you go there, do the justice of that pro section no. for how big that hill is, <laughs> you know, they're not hard to really make either one of those jumps. They're just, it's such a big hill, but the jumps are big, but you think about it how many big hits there were per lap. If you were in the pro class, let's count those two. You were just saying, you know, jumping into those rollers, those two different ones with those two, that middle one and the two in the pro session, that's five big hits in a lap mm-hmm. that we're doing. And um, it was actually pretty cool. I liked yeah. it. it. It was fun. Some tracks that you would go to any of any one of those jumps would be the biggest on the racetrack. Right. Oh, yeah. 
And to go there and have all of them, like there was a picture, or I'm sorry, there was a video that Gloop posted, I believe, of Joel landing Godzilla. And it's like he landed very close to the sweet spot and whatever. And it was still like, wham, like this big, big, harsh landing. And I'm thinking, man, to think about doing that five times, uh, you know, five times each lap for 12 or 13 laps, two motos plus two. I mean, just so much wear and tear. It's a credit to to the bike prep you guys do. I mean, all that stuff. It's just uh, such a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, Godzilla was a pretty hard hit. You know, I remember years ago, Godzilla used to actually not be filled in. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was do or die. <laughs> right. And I think I was exactly. one of the first guys to do it and the only yeah. five to do it the first year or two. Like, you yeah. were hitting it or you weren't. And um, that jump's crazy. I think it needs a bigger landing, to be honest with you, or a steeper. Because if it was steeper, it'd be less of a, a hit. It just, mm-hmm. but it's it's a cool jump. I love it. Yeah. I was telling my wife, actually, when we were watching that, I'm like, man, when I was pro that there was no tabletop, it was, it yeah. was make or break. I remember, I remember maybe like Sepsi didn't, he like overshot it by a mile or came up short or something and broke a bunch of stuff. And I just remember like, yeah, to not get that test to not be able to half jump it, man. And it's hard. Cause it's not, a, it's not like a normal face, right? It's this giant right. hill. You don't know what kind of lift you're going to get. Um, it's huge. Just, just crazy. And then I think too, like, not that that step down is sketchy by, or I shouldn't say that it's not scary by any means, but it is such a decline that I've, I've always thought like if somebody got some gnarly bounce and like bounce yeah, like land a long, sideways and bounce, Oh my gosh, it would be, you'd fall a hundred feet, yeah. you know, just, it, it just could like, end really bad, you know, and to hit that jump the right way, you got to jump far down it because there is a bounce to it. There's like two landings exactly, where you'll bounce, but then the one where you got to really make it. And when you really make it, man, like you're, you're falling out of the sky. It's crazy when you see like the hill you're about to go down. I know it. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those jumps, right? You hit literally as hard as you can. You're trying to jump it as far as you can. So uh, not, not often do you get that on the, on the ATP motocross circuit. Um, So the the big hits I I wanted to touch on, you know, kind of getting that feeling, not everybody or very few probably of our listeners will ever get that experience of hitting some of those big jumps at Iron Man and Godzilla and all that stuff. So that's rad to talk about that sunset Ridge is next, right? Uh, A favorite of yours. We kind of touched on that just briefly Uh, conditions very much like home. Uh, Even we touched on this on Saturday when you and I chatted for a minute, uh, even it might come down to like hole shots, like being on that ground, that dirt kind of being close to home for you. It's going to be something that, you know, so that can only help. And that uh, we've seen you run inside the top three there before. I know you've podiumed there before a couple of years ago. I believe, I believe so. Right. No, I don't think I've never podium there. I've had, I've had great races. Okay. There. So you, so then it was p- moto podium. Yeah, I remember, right. oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one and it might've been 2020 or 2021, 20, yeah. whatever it was. But I remember you being like 20 seconds ahead of fourth, like literally yeah. all by yourself. Um, and then last year too, right. Very good. Second moto got you fourth overall. So uh, we've seen you go fast that at sunset Ridge before, uh, thoughts going into Walnut. I'm pumped. I'm just, uh, I'm surprised I did well at the last two tracks, to be honest with you, because they're, they're nothing like what I practice on, but the next two, I really like, and you got Walnut, you got Bud's Creek, which are really cool, uh, tracks, but Walnut is, um, in my opinion, I think, the way it stood last year, hopefully again this year, which I think it will be. Uh, I think that's the best racetrack on our circuit, hands down. I think it's got the best passing. Um, it's not the biggest jumps. It used to have really big jumps, but there's passing everywhere. It gets rough. It's, you know, a little bit fast, a little bit technical. Um, I, I, it's got a little bit of everything. I like it. 
mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot like my track and in certain years it's like a lot like my track it's crazy so um i do feel at home there and you know even like the whole shot there the the dirt's just like it and, and that's really where i struggled over the weekend in iron man was the dirt on that start was so tacky. I just could not get it to save my life. None of them felt good, but where Walnut, I know how that dirt's going to be is not the same as mine, but it's way closer to mine than Ironman was to mine. So I am expecting and going to put a lot of pressure on myself to get good hole shots at Illinois. So I can truly shine on that track because um, I like that style. You know, that's Mm -hmm. my style track and uh, it's only because it's what I've rode. Yeah. Yeah. It, even the videos from your, your track look so similar. I mean, obstacles look similar the way the corners develop look similar dirt similar. So, um, yeah, you definitely have that advantage. And I love that Bob pistol there, uh, the whole pistol oh, yeah. family, I uh, love those guys so much and they do, they take so much pride in it, right? Like even just look at the facility. I mean, there's not a stitch of grass that isn't perfect at that place. And, uh, he actually came up to me on, on uh, Saturday after, after your guys' second moto and said, these boys better be ready for it to be rough on, on Saturday at my track because this I didn't track even was, know it was there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. He, he said, uh, he said this track was way too smooth today. So, oh, it uh, is. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'd love to hear that, but, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully the weather works out should be really good. I love, uh, track getting rough. Just the, I came away from Saturday thinking about, you know, you had to like finesse your passes, right? I mean, especially if you were making a pass in one of those uh, corners, sliding up the inside, whatever it may be. And sunset Ridge Walnut is like, violent you know you just have to blitz things to to make passes and i just i love that again the diversity to think you know you guys go from polar opposites yet the cream's gonna rise to the top and i think uh i think that maybe this is the weekend that we see you get another podium that would be awesome i appreciate that i'm ready to go and i'm I'm gonna give it my all to be honest with you so it's it's something I'm excited for. And I've been waiting for this track for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And buds too. I'm looking forward to that one as well. So buds of course too. I mean that, and I can't believe we're even halfway through the season so far. Yeah. It's nuts. It always happens like that. You know how it is. I'm, and I'm sure, especially with your schedule and traveling and, uh, and everything, a bike prep training, everything, but, uh, it's crazy how the day, like, it feels like you get a day and a half between races. It really does. Oh yeah. When, when you have that two week break, it's, it's go time very quickly. And especially if you have a problem or if you have an engine that's blown up and you're in a pinch, Mm -hmm. uh, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. There you go. It goes by fast and we'll be at Lorez before we know it. Trust yeah, me. Yeah. It's, it's there plenty of times. It's crazy. I'm sure it doesn't feel like you've been doing this for a decade, Nick. Um, the oh, the yeah. other thing, the other thing I want to touch on before we get out of here, uh, yeah. the other thing I got to ask you is you've traveled the country in a toter, you a sprinter van. Uh, now you got, you got this motor home, right? So I remember, uh, I remember commending you last year for, you know, kind of doing whatever you had to do to go to the races, right. You know, using, using the, the, doing the van setup, downsizing your whole program, all that stuff. You were doing whatever you had to do to make it work for your race program. So is the, is the new motor home life the best one yet? Or, or what's the scoop with that? Yeah. So it's a lot has changed, you know, when my dad was coming to the races, with me pretty much my whole life. Um, it's huge. Like you don't realize the value of your father, not just getting you to the races or paying for gas at the, at the rest stops, whatever, but that, and then the help of that person where my dad might come with me to one or two races a year now, but I can say I entirely do my race program on my own now the last few years and a hundred percent. And that being said, when my dad had his really bad stroke a few years ago, 
at the same time is when gas or diesel in our other RV setup and trailer went up to like $6 a gallon. So here I'm at with $6 a gallon diesel, um, a hundred percent on my own. I just, I just couldn't do it. And I, there was not enough, um, not enough for me to want to travel the country to, um, dump that amount of money when it takes away from anything else I could be making. And, um, I just went like extreme opposite and it was, Hey, it's just going to be me. It comes to the races. Maybe Mike, my friend, mm-hmm. um, to a bunch, um, I'm going to deck out a brand new sprinter van, do that. And it was cool. I think sprinter vans, even if I, if I dumped, if I had $200,000 that people absolutely do all the time, dump into a van, it just doesn't do it for me. I think they're overrated because of just how small they are. I really don't care what they have in them. They just don't work. They're too small. Yeah, they're efficient on fuel, I guess, but you need room. And the setup I have now is such like, it's not even that much more money. Like what I spent in that van was ridiculous. And I got it back when I sold it. I got it all back, actually. The RV is just like a little bit more, but it's done. And I really, really, really enjoy not pulling the trailer, to be honest with you. I believe it. My garage is so tiny. Like it's an eight by eight garage. It's still bigger than what I had in the Sprinter van, believe it or not. So you learn how to pack. Don't bring stuff you don't need. Bring one quad, bring a ton of parts, backup engine, pick quad. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you're fine. You know, you look at Weenan, he brings one quad. You look at Phoenix, they bring one quad. Mm-hmm. You know, people go on the races and I used to do it too. You bring in four or five quads for what? Yeah. Bring one downsize, you know, like it's, uh, I've done this my whole life. And then it's like, it's cool to show up with that, but it's also cool to, to be the guy spending the least getting to and from the races too. And um, even if you can do it, you know, it's just kind of like a lot of extra effort and, no tolls. I'm not dragging anything behind me. I'm not blowing an axle or blowing a hitch on the trailer. It's just yeah. not to bash anyone that does it. I, I did it my whole life, but I don't miss a trailer even a little bit. And I, I could see this little setup that I have now of this outlaw with the garage setup RV. I will probably do this setup the from my career here on now. I, I think don't hold me to it because you never know. <laughs> you never know. I'll probably do this setup like here on out. I just awesome. love it. I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> That's why I wanted to, to ask you about it because I'm all about the efficiency. The efficiency is uh, oh yeah is, uh, is, a, is a big deal. It's a gas motor. It's a V10, and it's actually not that bad on fuel. It's really not like you think it's a gas guzzler. I'm like, yeah, it is, but like not really. Mm-hmm. Well, not no. not like not like a toter pulling no. a, a trailer, and you know no. it being diesel fuel. You know what I mean? So yeah, but no. It's good. If you're not trying, you'll never know. So I don't regret anything I've tried within the racing to get, you know, I, I, I'll respect my decision to figure out, like I, I tried this so I could go to the races. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you've tried you it all. You tried it all. You got to send it. <laughs> how, how, uh, how long is the trip to Illinois? thousand miles one way. Uh, okay. it's like 900 something, almost a thousand. So it's like 2000 round trip. So it'll cost me like a thousand bucks in fuel in that thing to go there and back. And so what is it like? What is that? Like 16 hours one way or something? It's like 14. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's 14. Got it's it. cool though. Yeah. I see. Well, you know, Bud, Bud's is going to be close, right? Bud's is, Bud's is close. Bud's will be close. That'll be the closest national I've ever had in my life. That's closer than Dill. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've never yeah. raced three and a half hours from home is my closest one. Okay. So, well, that's what's a big crew going to that to watch too, which is exciting. 
Yeah, I, I like to hear that. That's what sunset is for us. It's about four hours. So, uh, yes. well, Bell, I uh, appreciate the time, appreciate the the insight, all the stuff. I, like I said before, I love having you on the show every time, and uh, and I really appreciate your time being here as always, and wishing you safe travels. I know you're you're probably headed to the to the track today, or your backyard, yep. I should say, to do some do some laps, right? And uh, yep. just right. Uh, just uh, wishing you all the best, pal. Looking forward to seeing you at Sunset Ridge. Thank you very much for your time, Cody. You're the man, Nick. That's Nick Janusa right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast brought to you by CST Tires. Thanks again, buddy. Great job this weekend. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Safe travels. See you, pal. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mills, president of DP Breaks North America and proud partner of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. We at DP Breaks are a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology, dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheel racers on the planet. This year's lineup includes Jeff Rastrelli, Mark Baldwin and Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, and many more, including Mr. Digging Deep himself, Cody Jansen, plus all the top 17 GNCC pros such as seven-time champion Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Hunter Hart, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and previous champion Chris Borch. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on top of the podium week after week. DP brakes are available through www.dp-brakes.com or you can purchase them through your local parts and limited stocking dealer or you can even message us, myself, Larry Mills or DP Brakes on Instagram or Facebook and if you have any questions about product or sponsorship support, please ask us. We are waiting for you. Join the best ATV riders in the world equipped with DP Brakes and have a great year everyone. Nearing two decades into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back and better than ever, continuing to make major waves in the ATV world. For the third consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for two-time champ Joel Hetrick. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of industry-leading products available for all makes and models. Head over to Factory43ATV.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? 
Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. Headlined by the 4130 Chromali, Launderville Steel and Concrete Supply is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products. This racing family-owned full metal service center and concrete product supplier comes with over 30 years of experience serving the entire United States from their central Midwest location. As the number one choice for nationwide shipments and with available next-day delivery in select areas, LSE has you covered near or far. 4130 is not just the chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for an array of motorsports applications, but it is also the name of the newest addition to the Pro Paddock with riders Jaden J.J. Launderville and Max Linquist, introducing the new 4130 Motorsports team. Launderville Steel offers a large selection of material for any project, including their concrete division that can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. For a quote or more info, visit LaundervilleSteel.com today or give them a call at 715-675-6193. That's 715-675-6193. Here at Digging Deep, we have an obvious passion for ATVs and pridefully enjoy sharing the sports history. Since 2019, when the podcast was born, we've been working to partner with individuals who share our passion, but one man and his vision had been missing from our partnership group until now. When it comes to the sports history, the hallowed grounds of Binky's Forever ATC Museum has it all. Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three- and four-wheelers has preserved history by spanning all makes and models from Honda three-wheelers in chronological order to unique builds that shaped ATV racing as we know it, like Doug Gust's iconic DRZ-powered hybrid thumper and everything in between. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we certainly relate to here at Digging Deep. Binky's goal is to share his amazing collection with fellow enthusiasts by making his prized possessions accessible to the public via scheduled visits. Follow Forever ATC Museum on Facebook and watch foreveratc.com for further updates on possibly getting a chance to see Binky's Forever ATC Museum for yourself. We are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. As the number one podcast in ATB racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Jay Goble and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, guys, your host, Cody Jansen, here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. One final time, wrapping up our coverage of Iron Man. Major thanks to Nick Janusa for joining us there. Always love having him on the show. He's always so forthcoming and, and so honest with his answers. So we need to finish up our overalls. So Joel Hattrick won one. 
for first overall. Chad Weenan, 2-2, two, two, second overall. Bryce Ford, 3-4, third overall. We heard from Brandon Hogue, 6-3 for fourth overall. Nick Janusa, you just heard from, impressive in that first moto, especially 4-5 for fifth overall. Jeffrey Restrelli, down day for him. Uh, obviously, Jeffrey wouldn't be very happy with the 5-6 score, especially with the whole shot in that second moto, uh, but he'll be better. He will definitely be better. Would have probably expected a little more from him on this day, just solely because he's told us uh, he seems to really shine in the hard-packed tracks. But uh, Florida guy, got to think that we're going to see some some good stuff out of him at Sunset Ridge. Max Lindquist ended up 7th overall with 7-7 seven, seven scores, 7th overall. But we saw some flashes from him. I mean, we know some some changes are being made with this program, kind of trying to get back to his roots, back to what we've seen from Max in the last couple of years where he's been really, really impressive and finished on the podium and all these things. Uh, so he had been doing a little searching, but he is trending upward. He was really fast in that second moto. So don't just look at 7-7 seven, seven for 7th scores and think, like he was in no man's land because that's not the case. He actually made that push in the second moto like we had referenced on Jeffrey Rastrelli. So Max Lindquist, another guy to watch as the series heads to another Midwest track, a track that would be Max's quote-unquote home race at Sunset Ridge for us Wisconsinites. He's going to be a rider to watch. Wesley Wolf shows up eighth overall on the results sheet, 8-8 eight, eight for eighth on this day. Wesley, man, he is so impressive to me. We know that he doesn't do a ton of riding. We know that he's framing houses and on top of roofs and stuff, working for his dad's company, and he just shows up races, and he is a dog. Wesley Wolf, I know you've never taken our, our invite to be on the show here, but we really would love to have you. Uh, one of these days, hopefully we can make it happen. Uh, the invitation's always open, but 8-8 eight, eight day for him, 8th overall. Uh, another strong day for Wesley Wolf. He's in the top half of this pack, this class, and every weekend he's just, he's just solid. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. Logan Stanfield, Indiana zone. He was on the t-shirt. T-shirt looked awesome, by the way. Uh, ninth overall in the day for Logan Stanfield. I'm sure he wanted more. 10-9 scores for ninth overall. But the, the middle of the class, there's just so fast. It seemed to me that Logan didn't get the starts on this day. I mean, he just he just wasn't flashing the starts that he needed to be, you know, five, six, seven. That's what he's shooting for. We know he's shooting for top fives. But ninth on the day is 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 what Logan could muster up at Crawfordsville. And I got to believe it that that's very start related. He was racing forward in both motos and rounding out the top 10, Kevin Sar. Kevin Sar goes nine, 10. Uh, so him and Logan actually tied on the day, but Logan was better in that second moto. So Kevin Sar finishes 10th overall for the music racing and repair team. And man, he goes on to, to win pro-am on Sunday going one, one, but I came away from this weekend so freaking impressed with Kevin Saar. The the corners, the sweeping corners and hard pack corners, the the sliding in and out of these corners, man. Watching Kevin Saar, and specifically in pro am probably because you know he was the fastest guy on the racetrack and uh, and it was very easy to focus on him. But it was like watching poetry in motion hitting his marks lap after lap after lap. Now, I, I know I've referenced and called him the Chad Weenan of Europe as a five-time European champion. Very easy to call him that, but I was actually talking to his team and talking about him hitting his marks and how good he looked, poetry in motion, all the stuff I just said. And they had mentioned how precise he was, how methodical he was, hitting his marks over and over and over again, referencing 
Chad Weenan. And, uh, and yeah, so I came away so impressed with Kevin Sar. Top 10 on Saturday, uh, winning Pro-Am on Sunday, uh, his first win in the States, which is pretty, pretty darn impressive for the Estonian. Um, and I know that that team wants him back for next year. They hope that this is just, uh, this is just the first of multiple years together with Kevin Zarr. So congrats to him on finishing in the top 10. And we know we've confirmed he is eligible for rookie of the year. So he's the clear rookie of the year front runner. Yeah, he's the favorite for that award and rounding out the top 10 at Ironman. 11th was Michael Allred, 11-11 for 11th. That's a pretty pretty solid day for him, pretty uh, consistent day for Mike. And I believe, I believe, and we'll get to this in a minute here, but I believe we're going to find him getting very, very close to the top 10 in points, uh, very close. So Michael Allred, uh, after an injury last year, his return to the series this year, doing doing very well. It's been been very consistent and uh and, and doing very well. Vince Merman comes in at 12th overall, 13 12 for 12th. Uh, impressive day for him. Really good day for him. He's moving in the right direction for sure and he was the key pick separating uh, our winners from our close to winners in ATV fantasy because we know that that perfect team was Joel Hetrick Bryce Ford, Brandon Hogue, and Max Linquist was our top four. We, I, I had that those those right even just about the closest I've ever been to winning one of these things. Uh, but Vince Merman was the staple pick, the lock pick, the winning pick in ATV fantasy this week. He was the decisive guy there, um, finishing at the top of that 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 tier. So 12th overall for Vince Merman, super, super good job for him. 13th overall was Cody Ford. We know that he is uh, shooting for more. No secret, I do some some PR work for those guys, their press releases and stuff, and some interactions with uh, the team there. We know that he's looking forward to the 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 rougher racetracks and being able to put his fitness and his uh, his grit, uh, if you will, to to the test at some of these rougher tracks. And he is going to get that rougher track at Sunset Ridge, that's for sure. So Cody Ford, 14-13 for 13th overall, and following him is another Texan, 14th overall, Aaron Salinas. He goes 12. 15 for 14th overall. He was really fast in qualifying, qualifying in the top 10, but it was that second moto get off early in the second moto, just a couple corners in, a few corners in that hindered him obviously on this day and set him behind. Otherwise, see if say he goes 12-12 in the second moto, that would have been about good enough for 12th overall. So he would have bumped him up a, a couple spots maybe if he went to had that crash, you can almost guarantee that. But overall, Aaron Salinas continues to be a rookie that flashing above above any of the other of the other standard rookies or, or however you want to kind of qualify Sar as an out as an outlier a uh, five-time European champion and a more seasoned rider uh, you know he's a he's a, he's a rookie clearly rookie in the states but different kind of cut from a different cloth than Salinas Ulrich um, uh, Molander right so uh, Aaron Salinas has been if I call them the newcomers from the pro-am class, he's been, well, I don't, I guess maybe I can't even say that because Adam Allrich has been really, really good, but uh, Aaron Salinas maybe has flashed more than anybody else. Put it that way. Speaking of Adam Allrich, uh, he ends up 15th overall, 16, 14 for 15th. And I felt for him. He broke 
leading the first moto and pro-am on Sunday. I know that we're talking about the pro class here, but uh, not not the weekend that that Adam wanted. Overall, though, he is he's been he's been quite impressive. He's been impressive as any of these incoming guys, like I said. So um, 15th overall for him, but I would expect more from him going forward. He's shown us more in the early stages of this season so far. So uh, on the back half, on the, the back nine, if you will, uh, in golf terms, I think that we can expect more from, from Adam Allred going forward. Zach Harris ends up 16th overall, 15-18 for 16th. Marshall Smith, 17th overall, 17-17 for 17th. And we had mentioned Dane Molander earlier dealing with that A-arm problem. The guy just can't catch a break right now. He goes DNS 16 for 18th overall to finish up our coverage of the overalls at Ironman. So quickly touching on the points, Joel Hetrick finds himself 33 points up now over the rest of the field. Uh, Bryce Ford still finds himself in second. He's 12 points ahead of Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Jeffrey Rastrelli in third is 13 points ahead of Chad Weenan. Uh, if you're wondering, if you're keeping score at home, Chad Weenan with 156, Joel Hetrick with 214, so he is 58 points behind, meaning... Say we go to we go to Sunset Ridge this weekend. Joel Hetrick decides, hey man, I'm gonna take a weekend off. I'm gonna gonna go uh, gonna head out on the boat or something. <laughs> uh, he would have he's a whole race ahead, is what I'm getting at. He could skip a whole race and he would still be. But he probably wouldn't still be leading the the series over Bryce Ford, but he would be over Chad Weenan. So Chad Weenan has some work to do. But that's the topic you'll hear ahead with. Ken Hill. That's a that's a teaser there. Uh, and for those of you wondering, fifth in points is Nick Janusa, where he always is, and he's got a nice little little buffer over Brandon Hogue, about twelve points over Brandon Hogue, who's sixth. So yeah, that's our points standings heading into round six at Sunset Ridge. I can't believe the second half of the season is here. And one of the last things that we have to tie up here is our SSI decals, top five storylines, right? We want to go over the things that we learned this past weekend. Recapping our storyline number five is can Joel Hetrick make it three in a row at Ironman, a track that he's traditionally so strong at. Obviously, we know the answer to that. He led every lap but one. He was the fast qualifier by two seconds. He was extremely impressive. 1-1 and route to a perfect day at Ironman. So we know the answer to storyline number five. So storyline number four is do we see Logan Stanfield get his second career top five finish on home soil? We just got done going over that. He, he needed some starts if that was going to happen. Didn't get the starts he needed. Uh, clawed his way forward to that ninth overall position. Nothing wrong with ninth. The class is just really, really good and fast right now. That's what it comes down to. Storyline number three in our SSI decals top five storylines heading into this event at round five. Max Lindquist and Brandon Hogue were both better at high point. Do we see them? Do we see further improvement from these riders? And I think you could argue we saw further improvement from both of them. Uh, Brandon Hogue, obviously, we see we see him finish on the podium in that second moto, fourth overall. So that that answered itself. He he was definitely definitely steps forward, definitely impressive in that second moto uh, and on this weekend in general. And Max Lindquist, again, like I said earlier, if you just look at the box score, it might not tell the whole story, it might not get the whole picture, seven seventh for seventh overall. But he was clearly better. We watched 
him race up to Jeffrey Rastrelli, and I thought he was maybe going to make the move late in that moto, uh, second moto, I believe. So Max Lindquist, again, a rider to watch as he's got some changes going on within his program to get back to the stuff he knew that helped power him to, I believe, four podiums the last couple seasons, his first seasons as a professional. Max Lindquist is a rider very much trending up and a rider to watch at Sunset Ridge and beyond in the second half of this season. Storyline number two, counting down to one, is Bryce Ford versus Jeffrey Rastrelli. We know that those guys are the other two riders that have finished on the podium this season, other than Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick, of course. But which one of those riders was going to be the one to, to take a step at this race? And obviously, it was it was very much Bryce Ford. Um, he finished his third overall on the day. He was up front in both motos. He got the whole shot in the second moto. He battled with Chad Weenan for, for a lot of her held off, I should say, kind of kept Chad Wienan at bay for a lot of the first moto. So Bryce Ford was really impressive on this day. And Jeffrey, obviously a friend of the show, guy we love, the guy we love cheering for, but he's not going to be happy with that, that moto that he had there because especially the second moto where he ripped the whole shot and uh, ends up finishing sixth and, and sixth overall. So Bryce Ford is the one that sees the day there uh, with our SSI decals, top five storylines, number two and number one was was the rain can uh, can we get a dry Crawfordsville for once was exactly what I have written down on my paper here and we got it the again the the weather was a threat the weather was a threat for sure uh but it never it never happened a couple sprinkles and there was literally nothing more than those couple sprinkles not a factor track was perfect I loved those conditions it was awesome Crawfordsville was awesome that was a that was a Crawfordsville I'll never forget hopefully we can get this in years to come but the rain was not a factor track was awesome gave us tons of options some some technicalities uh just just really 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 perfect racing on a a perfect track is what we got from Iron Man so that is our top five storylines from Iron Man So without further ado, let's get to Ken Hill. We'll do our top five storylines heading into Sunset Ridge after we get done with Ken, and we'll briefly touch on the amateur stuff after we get done with Ken as well. So let's talk to Ken. So let's move on to Ken Hill, a can't miss segment, uh, a guy I've been wanting to get on the show for literally years, and it very much lived up to the hype. It was awesome. So enjoy. All right, guys, Iron Man is one of our absolute favorite races of the year. So it's only fitting that I got a guest here with me that is a favorite of so many in the pits at an ATV Motocross National, a no doubt OG, the series photographer for as long as I can remember, presented by Valvoline and their new ultimate power sports line of oil. Say hello to Mr. Ken Hill. Ken, uh, I've asked you to do this a few times now, and I'm stoked that it's finally happening. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, no problem. Thanks for the invite. It's been, uh, last couple of years been a little crazy with my health, but, uh, I'm happy to say I'm here to talk to you. Well, we're, we're obviously happy to have you Ken from day one. I remember you saying, you know, I support what you're doing, what you're trying to grow. You can use any of my stuff, all that stuff. And coming from you who obviously, you know, I used your stuff and and we worked closely. You did my photo shoots and stuff as a pro, all those things, but even just to have, have your, even words of support as digging deep was, uh, was in its infancy, uh, that meant a lot to me. So it, it really, I'm, I'm so, so glad I dreamt of having you on the show and, and you've had so much experience. I'm sure so many stories, relationships with every one of these riders that we'd like to talk about. So, um, so yeah, again, uh, that all meant a ton to me and I, I wanted you to know that, but also I'm just as excited to, uh, to sit down here with you, pal. 
Oh yeah, like I said, I appreciate the the invite. That uh, I've always tried to do, you know, what was best by the series and the riders, and you know, try not to do it for myself. You know, I don't. I always tell everybody I don't care about photo credit. Just get my name right on the paycheck. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, when I go back, I mean, the funny thing is, you said about stories and stuff, and you know, I can't sit here and think of any one story. Of all the years, I mean, what did, when did I even start shooting this stuff? Like 2003, I probably shot one or two. Okay. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I mean, for a while, it was just, you just went, you shot the pictures. Well, I will tell you one story. After we were shooting for Kawasaki at that time, Harlan Foley and I. Okay. And uh, Harlan calls me and says, hey, he says, uh, you need to go up the next round and introduce yourself to the Kawasaki team. And I was like, why? Are they special? <laughs> and because Josh Kramer and I think Chad Weenan was riding for him at that time. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. But uh, I know Kramer was. Uh, he said, well, they just called me and, and they were like, who is taking these pictures? And they're like, well, my guy Ken is. And they were like, well, he, we didn't even see him take these pictures. You know, it's kind of weird. He's just all of a sudden our pictures were showing up online and we didn't even see him. Um, I always got a chuckle out of that, you know, because, you know, I don't know. I mean, a photographer should, at least my vision of what I wanted to do in this sport was, uh, you should, your work should be seen and you should not be hurt. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And to have your work speak for itself, right. I mean, that, that's probably the biggest compliment that, that somebody in your role can get, I would think. Well, it is. Um, but again, you know. Going back to day one, it was always about the rider. I mean, you know, yeah, there's, you know, you had to get paid. Yeah, you had to make it worth your while. But the deal was, you know, for me, and it still remains so today, is that the riders are shown and portrayed in a, in a good light. Mm -hmm. um, that their sponsors get to see what's going on at the races, whether it's good or bad. Uh, the series needs to see what goes on the races, whether it's good or bad. You know, you don't fix things without finding the problems. Right. Um, but I don't have to be the name always beating my chest and screaming there's a problem. But, you know, when I can show you a picture of this is an issue, that's an issue, uh, it brings a little more weight to the argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and I just, I always respected and appreciated the way that you went about your business for, for guys like me who wasn't making any money doing the, the, the pro ATV thing. Right. And like, as a privateer racer, which most everybody is in this sport, you need that content to be able to, to market yourself and advertise your, your, your sponsors and all those things that I'm not opposed to, you know, spending like, you know, spending the money and, and, whatever. But I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, dating way back to my early days as a pro you making your, your photos available to riders like me, it meant so much. And then, I mean, I even remember being younger than that dating back to when, you know, you were talking about shooting for Kawasaki, which would have been, you know, Oh six, Oh seven, Oh eight. And that time period there, Oh nine, something like that. And I remember back then, and it's funny to think of like, what it was like back then as an amateur or a, or a youth rider, even dating back to that era and how special it is just to like go on those albums 
in, you know, the series albums or whatever they were at the time. And just to like see photos of you, you know, when you're an amateur and you're not used, especially back then, not everybody, you didn't have a, you didn't have a, a video camera or, or, uh, or, you know, a, a pretty nice camera in your pocket at all times. Right. So like it was relatively rare back then to see photos and videos of yourself riding. So then to, right. to find that as an amateur, even to like to go on and see photos of you, that's a, that was a really big deal for, for me at least. And uh, I just, from day one, the way you went about your business, the way that you always put the riders first, that was no, like, there was no debate about that. Just everything you've given to the series and, and the, the sport, um, is so appreciated by, by dudes like me. Well, I mean, it's, and I'm glad to hear that, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking back now to, um, oh, it was where we're going this weekend for the GNCC at the John Penton, uh, Sunday Creek, Ohio. Um, yep. yeah, the year that, uh, that's the year I started for, um, shooting for the series because okay. Dean, who was running the series at that time, you know, he's like, I need pictures constantly. And I was sending him everything I could. And uh, finally, you know, Carrie called and Carrie Russell and said, Hey, you know, you need to come in. We need to talk. And of course that's normally not a good thing. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I was just, I was still working a full-time job. You know, there was no, you're just a photographer. I was working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week, making a living and, and whatnot. And so was my wife. Um, but I sat down and Carrie said, you know, I need a photographer. And I was like, okay. I said, I can do it. And it just also happened to be the year that I actually retired from the nine to five. Okay. Um, and I told her, you know, get me to the races, give me a place to stay and I'll shoot everybody. I can't, um, you know, whatever you need, just holler. And that's the way we've worked it. And she's never said, you know, you, you did this wrong or you need to do this better or whatever. And mm -hmm. they've kind of left it all up to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going back to that, that race, um, just, you know, the, the destruction at that race because of that 80, 90 mile an hour wind that weather, it destroyed everybody's yeah. stuff up on that hill there. Yep. Yeah. I walked in and, and I was taught, I cannot remember what pro I was talking to. Um, he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I lost my easy ups. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, got and buy you a couple easy ups. But even, you know, $200 back then was a ton of money for a pro rider. Mm -hmm. Sure was. And, you know, I, I just kind of, I, I got with Carrie and I just said, look, if we're going to put out a gallery, then I'm just going to throw my pictures online. If they want to buy them, great. But let's make sure that they always have access to images, whether they're pro, amateur, whatever we can get for them. And that's the way I've run it. Um, you can still go online today and, and click on a picture and say, download it to your computer, or your phone, yep. use it on social media. You don't have to pay a dime. Um, if you pay the $5, hey, it's awesome. You know, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, plenty of people show their support that way. Yep. Um, but the only thing that I've, I've noticed is that as as I've gotten older, I mean, I'm what 53 now, 52. How old am I? I'll be 53 in July. I forgot. Um, okay. And with the health issues, is I'm not able to shoot as many of the amateurs as I want. Okay. Um, that's the part that I think that I'm failing at, and I I need to do more of that. But you know, I can only push myself so hard. 
mm-hmm. before I go down. And it's better to stay on your feet than it is to yeah. burn out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think over the years, these last couple of years, especially, right, Ken, I mean, you've figured out you know, you've made some improvements, obviously, with your health and, and figured out how, what you needed to do to manage all this. And oh, yeah, like, sure. In these last couple of years, when when you were maybe a little bit hit or miss at the races and didn't make it to them all and stuff, I mean, there was a major void missing there. Like, again, it it's just you're such an integral part of the so, series. And, and see, I don't I, I never see myself that way. Um, there's always key figures in every business that you count on whether they whether they're the the guy doing the heavy lifting or not you just you've you've been there so long that you're part of it mm-hmm. um like ricky cowrie at the gncc i can't even think of a race i haven't seen him flag you know ever sure um you'd have back oh, past my time 20 years you know past then to find a race he didn't flag for them okay um but rodney tomlin you know yep. he he went on back to better things or bigger things or whatever he's got to do. He's got but it's weird. It's weird without him though, right, Ken? It's not right. Oh, it is. But, you know, it's funny because I still get to hear his voice at the GNCCs. Okay. They uh, pre-record a bunch of stuff, like the riders meeting and things. And so it, I always get a smile when I hear his voice. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of chuckle. Okay. like, Rodney's here one way or another. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, again, I think that, uh, that everything that, that you've continued to do just means so much to, to so many of us and, and yeah, it wasn't right without you there. I mean, and then mentioning like your, your galleries, right? Like I, on the digging deep pages, I like to show some up close shots, right? Like I, those are the ones I tend to like the most for whatever reason. I like when you can see the the parts people are using the intricacies of these beautiful machines that these riders have. And so I pay the, I pay the 580, right? I think I just, I just got one last night to post a picture of, of, uh, of Nick Janusa, right? I mean, obviously happy to support you in that way, but uh, I like to get those crystal clear photos that you offer on there. So the $5 is a, is a easy, cheap price to pay. Well, I mean, it is, but you know, going back to the rounds that I missed, you know, last year I tried to step away from the ATV motocross. My wife was begging me to just do the cross country races so that I could get a break in between them. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I tried. They they hired somebody. It didn't work out. Yep. You know, I wasn't privy to any of that. Mm-hmm. So I came back, and then I've tried to find somebody to step in and take, you know, what I do, and uh, and and it needs to be done the way I do it. I mean, you don't have to do everything the way I tell you to do it, but there's there's a twenty years is a long time to put together a system that works. There's a good model there. Very, yeah. Yes, very efficiently. I have no problem telling people about it. You know, I'm like, do it. But they get into the sport and they realize, wait a minute, I, I could make more money at home working for company A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, everybody, I don't know, I guess maybe they want to be the next big thing. They want to hear their name heard, whatever. Sure. Um, they just don't, you know, it's like a pro rider coming up through the, or a rider coming up through the ranks and jumping into pro thinking he's going to be beating Joe Hetrick. Yeah. Yeah, I remember your name is the guy who screwed up on this jump or wrecked it this in this turn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta mm-hmm. pay your dues, you gotta take your knocks and uh yeah. And you know, gradually people will will you know, will take what you're giving them. 
mm-hmm. people just don't listen. You know, the, that's the problem I have with the younger generation is, yeah, there's a lot of people out there just blowing smoke up their skirt. But then there's guys like me who you walk up and ask me a question. I'll tell you the answer. You may not like what I say, but you can guarantee it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me, uh, the, the photog brand was out there running around this weekend. You know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I was just like, this is the way I do it, blah, blah, blah. It's very simple. It's very fast. It's very efficient. Yeah. You know, who was Steve Jobs said, you want, want the job done as fast and efficient as possible, hire the laziest guy you can find. Not that I'm lazy, but my idea of fun isn't sitting at a hotel for six hours after a race and editing pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you learn to, you learn to do the, the edit work in the camera and make the shot great. And then you don't have to do that. Sure. Uh, the rest of the stuff is is literally just pick a program that works best for you and and go with it. But you know, with social media, time everything is time. I mean, look how fast Boots throwing out videos now. Oh, in, I know. In I know. It's amazing. You know, that wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. You know, in video is where it's at. I mean, with being able to to customize it with your you know you got a video maybe somebody hanging over the fence with a camcorder and gets a clip you know you take it home you throw some music to it you put it up you know bam you get a bunch of views and hits your Mm -hmm. sponsors like it yep it's huge and that's why you know the the like the series social media is loaded loaded with videos because they go out unfeathered you know they they don't get any alithogram well they may now but they didn't um so if we put up a picture of a race or two or three pictures they got some, they went out to some of the people, but the video went to everybody. Well, and I think that, I think with the videos too, right? Like that authentic, unedited, rawness oh. is what people like kind of, which actually yeah. helps the video guys. Yeah. And it drives me nuts because I'm the biggest critic there is, but you know, a lot of the pictures you say, you, you know, the close scenes, this and that. If you watch a lot of my pictures, if I see a banner in the background, one of our sponsors, I'm going to try to get that picture, that sponsor's banner in that picture. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, that's something a lot of the motocross, well, there, quite frankly, there isn't any banners out there anymore. No, there's not. Um, not like it used to it be. Makes, no, it makes it pretty dang hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and I, I don't, that's, that tells you where the, where the sport, I never really like calling it a sport. It should be run as a business, whether you're a pro or an amateur. I mean, I've seen it all. In 2006, with yeah. the factory involvement, you know, yeah. the, 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 the big hoopla over everything, and then, mm-hmm. you know, it fell flat again. You're exactly right. You've seen it all because in 2006 was it's, or, you know, that era there, it was this heyday and then WPSA comes in and it splits and, and, you know, ATV MX is small and then, then they have to come back, but then there's the recession and all that stuff. And now it feels like we've been in a very similar era for the last 10 years. Well, I never shot a WPSA. I wanted to, um, but Harlan all to them and i was stuck with the hv motocross which is fine yep um but watching joe bird win a championship when there's only six pros you know showing up these races yeah and only one or two able to give him any kind of a fight it was just like the lost years you know it was like whoa not that joe bird wasn't fast and he deserved everything he's earned Mm -hmm. but i mean you know it'd be like me showing up to a race and being the only guy there with a camera right yeah all, no all I'm going to right. All the love, you know, competition is a good thing. Yeah. Like when I see other guys out on the track, as long as they're legit to be out on that track, let's go, let's shoot. 
because I'm watching them. One, I have to. You know, mm-hmm. the series doesn't want them in bad spots, you know, yada, yada. Sure. Um, if, if I'm somebody in a very dangerous position, I'll go over and tell them, you got to move. You know, you won't see me shooting here. You know, yeah. um, this is bad news. Get out of there. But you need competition. You want to come home and look at your pictures and see what's out there on social media and go, uh-huh, okay, next mm-hmm. round, we'll see. So it, it it helps you. It helps build you. It, you can compete friendly. You don't have to be a jerk about it. Absolutely. Um, yep. You know, it's like video. I love video. I love taking video of deer and stuff like that, you know, yeah. wildlife. And I would love to practice at the races with video, but I never have any time. And now, of course, you know, I'm just like, oh, my God, the motor's over. I got to go get a drink. I got to get my feet up. You know, they're swelling, yada, 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 all the old guy stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's killing me because I want to do so much more and I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took my grandson fishing yesterday and literally I'd been over two or three times and that was it. I, I was done. I couldn't bend over anymore. My abdomen swells from the liver and, you know, it hurts. And it's the same thing. I can't get down on my knee anymore to shoot, get a low angle. Cause sure. I would probably have to ask somebody for help to get up. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's pitiful. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll give, I'll quit when they got somebody that can do the job, you know, to their satisfaction. Right. Um, and then I'll, cause I don't want to be the guy who's, leeching on to this or that just because i've been in the industry for so long mm-hmm. um you know, let new new blood come in let you know let people you know see what else is out there i mean i'm not trying to hide anything from anybody i post every picture i take yep uh, you know some good some bad some could be edited sure i just don't have time yeah uh, maybe that'll give me something to do in my golden years <laughs> go back and edit old photos <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that's funny no i i i again i i think it's so commendable everything that you've given and continue to give being out for the betterment of the sport is something that's rare not necessarily i mean there's tons of good people in our sport don't get me wrong and there's a lot of people right. that care but i think it's something that i hopefully am on my way to modeling some of what we do at digging deep after that you know i had a conversation with some people this weekend that said man and this was an a compliment that i hold in the highest regard that they're like you could go be putting in as much effort as you're putting in at digging deep into something else and making good money you know but but i'm like yeah but that doesn't i literally if i had a suggestion to to go to the top of the series it would be why don't you have cody jansen writing the race reports i have to write them not that i want out of the work it's just that you are so well versed in what's going on with these riders and you watch it so close i just don't have that time i was gonna ask you i thought that you were the one that wrote those yeah yeah i come home from a from a race and I'm busy here, you know, trying to keep this place going. And then I got to turn around and leave to go to a GNCC. And that's a, and just craziness for the, you know, for two and a half days. Then you've got work to do when you get home from them. Right. But I do motocross too, but it's a lot easier than GNCC. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm like, why isn't he writing these race reports? Because I literally go to yours, you know, on Monday morning, I go to your, the digging deep thing and read the comments, sure. you know, or not the comments, but the, the Our play by play. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And just like the picture you said with, uh, Brandon Hogue and, uh, who was it? Bryce Ford. Maybe it was Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember taking the picture, but I have no, I didn't know what idea, what place they were in. 
Oh, it's at the finish line there, right? Battling for yep. third yeah, at the finish. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah. But see, I mean, my mind is into other things, you know, mm-hmm. not like away from the sport, but I'm thinking of, okay, you know, I've got to get this work done. I've got to get that work done. And then by the time I go back to the race, and yeah. got, I've tried doing it at the hotel that night. It still doesn't work sure. um, because there's, if we put out just a cut and dry race report, that's fine. It's just an industry standard, you know, Joe Hedrick won, Chad Wien was second, you know, Jeff Rousseau, was third, blah, 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 whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, I try to actually capture in words what I saw. Yep. You know, and, and the person, one of the biggest guys in the, in the industry, Jason Wygant, came up to me and he was just like, I can tell when I'm reading your race reports. He goes, I don't even follow ATV motocross until he has to do the voiceover. He said, but when I read your race reports, he goes, I feel like I'm sitting there watching the race. You, know, you, you, you do a great job. And here I'm just muddling through it. You know, I'm, I'm not a no great writer or anything. Sure. But I'm trying to, to, to show the intensity, you know, and whatnot. Uh, and hopefully, you know, people get it. I don't think that they show the series enough love. I mm-hmm. think there's a whole, and there has been, Way back in the days when WPSA was around, there was this whole motocross series versus WPSA, and then WPSA goes belly up, and then you know, oh, everybody's got to go back to the motocross. Um, you remember there was a guy who used to put out a newspaper, and all it seemed like all he lived on was getting like John Natale to badmouth the series, and the next issue it was somebody else badmouthing the series. Yep, and you know. When confronted, he was like, well, I just want to make positive change. And I'm like, you're doing nothing but causing angst. You know, you're doing nothing but causing problems. I didn't even work for the series then. Sure. I was speaking as a fan of ATV motocross. Mm-hmm. And you know, it almost led to a fist fight. Yeah. Um, well, because you care, you care about it so much, you know, which I can totally relate with. I mean, that's like, I know that there's dudes that we cover in the pro class that don't necessarily like, maybe they might not be fans of mine or fans of mine from when we race each other or whatever. But at the same time, I cover them just the same. And I love it, you know, like, it's yeah. beca- but it's because I love the sport so much. Mm-hmm. Well, people have no clue that, you know, the, what these guys put on the line. Um, yeah. Even the amateur, you know, you know, a guy showing up who just got done working 50 hours for the week and the week before that he worked 90 so he could afford to take off to go to this race. Exactly. Uh, you know, he goes down water over a, over a tabletop or or something like that and he breaks a leg. He's mm-hmm. screwed. Yeah. My son's perfect example. I mean, what a month ago I was at Texas for the HVMX and I get up the next morning and I'm driving home. And I get the call, Cody, you know, is on the line, get ready to start. And then the next 15 minutes later, he hadn't come around, hadn't come around. And then finally he broke his leg. He's been a month off work, broken leg, plates, rods, destroyed ankle. You know, mm-hmm. thank God he works for a bigger company that just assumes that stuff, you know, no big deal. Um, but, you know, the guy who's turning wrenches as a mechanic at, you know, a, a car dealership or a, or or something along those lines, you know, a true blue collar profession. Yeah. Um, he's jacked over what, you know, 450 B, mm-hmm. you know, or, a, or, or, a, you know, an age class. Um, and it, you can't explain that to people. People say, Oh yeah, it's so cool, but they don't understand the level of commitment 
this, you know, these guys have. And when you get in the pro ranks, it's just nuts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, yeah, I mean, you've, you've been there, you know, you've, exactly. you've experienced it. Like, I'm looking at a picture right now of Chad and Joel standing there behind the starting area, just looking at me. And I did it because of course, Chad's like two feet taller than Joel. And then I reached down and picked up two sticks <laughs> And I walked over and I handed them two sticks. I didn't say anything. I just backed up, uh-huh. lifted my camera, and I instantly got them crossing sticks with smiles. I didn't tell them to do that. They didn't decide to do that. Right. These guys are competitive. Mm-hmm. That the first thing they want to do is sword fight. Right. So I saw you this know, photo. I saw this photo, Ken, and it was already planning to myself. I'm like, I got to use this for our episode cover for for this one. It was a must. It, you know, it was awesome. I mean, now I've yeah. seen Joel pull off the track mad at Chad. I've seen Chad pull off mad at Joel. Yep. Um, Rich Crowley this year is just ready to beat somebody. <laughs> in. Um, yes. He came off at Texas behind Bryce Ford. And he said, Bryce said something to him. And Rich Crowley said, this is going to be a long season. And this is before they even had their helmets off. And I was sure. like, uh-oh, you know, Rastrelli's you know, he's, he's getting, getting fired up. Um, but you know, Bryce is just, he's there. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it is. And I hate to be going all over the place talking, but I don't know no, what it is good. with Bryce. I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with the Fords. Love the kids. You know, I mean, they are kids to me, even though yep. one's married now. We're, yep. Um, Robin's always looking after me, you know, uh, John, you know, always tease him about voting for Joe Biden. Um, he didn't, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but uh sure he loves that you know he, yeah <laughs> he made it a point a couple of years ago to show me all his trump flags that is things <laughs> i thought that was awesome oh gosh um, but yeah it's uh i don't know what it is with ford it, i mean i know he likes to show off mm-hmm. he's constantly looking around when he's 20 feet in the air and you know playing to the fans and joe cool but he's races that he shows up and it's like almost like he's holding back you know it's like go you know watching him through the lens and i'm like you're faster than this if he could just just find that little teeny bit more speed hetrick's gonna have problems well i i think that he is the guy right as we kind of talk about some of the racing that we've been seeing he's the guy that could make that step it seems to me and and really be the one that that pushes Joel possibly in the years to come. I I do think that we have seen Bryce mature. Um, I think that this, this weekend alone is kind of a, was kind of a good representation of that. When we saw him run second in that first moto for, for the majority of it, he moved up to second and then looked like he was going to be the guy that was going to finish P2 there. I remember literally on our, the play-by-play on Facebook posting, it looks like, you know, Bryce Ford's wrote a masterful race. It looks like he's going to be, you know, hold on to this. Then Chad gets him at the finish. And, and, you know, I was standing in the tower thinking that was a hell of a race. And then we saw something very similar in the second moto where he would eventually give way to Chad, but, but it is Chad. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, if it wasn't for two guys who are the Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart of, you know, of ATV racing, two literal legends, two of the greatest ever, if not the two greatest ever, Bryce, Bryce 
a few year, four years into his pro career would be the guy. And so I'm like, it's hard to, it's hard to compare, but looking forward, I mean, he is very much, very much following in the footsteps of, you know, Joel Hetrick years ago. Well, when you, when you watch Joel Hetrick, I mean, Hetrick's in his prime right now. Absolutely. And I'm age wise. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. He has everything at his disposal right now to just lay waste to anybody. Yep. I mean, you would think he couldn't go faster, and yet he does. He's got seconds in the tank, Ken. He's got seconds in the tank if he would were to need it. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's just out front. He's hitting all his marks. He's <laughs> you know, just watching him go through that back. I don't even call it a roller section before you go up the big hill. It's Godzilla Hill. Yeah. Um. He just seemed to get faster and faster and faster through there. Yeah. Um, you know, Chad, man, I love Chad Wiener. It's been wild watching him go through the factories and then, you know, finally settle with Yamaha and come up, you know, and be a champion, multi-time champion. Yeah. But uh, he's finding speed, but he's there's just no way anybody is going to catch Petra. And I don't say that because Hetrick's my favorite. I have no favorites. As right. long as they all come off the track safe, I'm good. I don't care who wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't see – it's like sunset. We're getting ready to head up there, what, not this weekend, next weekend. Mm-hmm. That's tr- Chad's home track. It's sandy. It's rough. It's this and that. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm calling it for Hetrick just simply because he is so dialed. His quad works so well and he is just beating that thing i think the only thing could beat joe hedrick's joe hedrick i could be wrong but it's just like walker fowler for years you just weren't going to touch him didn't matter if he got a bad start a good start you know two hours from now he's coming across the finish line yeah well you know that joel hedrick i mean confidence is such a such a powerful thing and you know he's going he's going to the line right now thinking as long as i make it through the first corner i'm not getting beat Yeah. Well, but, you know, well, it's like the whole shot with Moto2. They gave it to Australia. Bryce Ford got the whole shot. I got the picture. I was using a big lens, so it's not a pretty picture. Okay. <laughs> but it showed, you know, I'll, as long as I got the who crossed the line first, my job's done. Yeah. Um, and I hate to see Australia, you know, hey, it is what it is. It was all pretty damn equal. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even Australia, who thinks he's at his prime or at his best is missing a step somewhere because Hetrick's just getting faster. And as a 52 year old man, I can tell you that, and you, you, I'm sure you feel this now that you've been out of it a little while, every couple of years, you feel yourself going down a little bit. For sure. I mean, you're still in good shape. You know what I mean? I, you, you still could go out and run five miles or bicycle five miles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and Rastrelli might feel like he's great. I mean, he's, he's defeated all these little health problems that kept popping up. But what happened in the meantime was that Hetrick has not had an issue one. He's just been on fire. Chad, I'm glad I wasn't at the race. I hate seeing him get hurt at second round when he broke his mm-hmm. collarbone. Yeah. He's, that that destroyed his season. I mean, but things so close as they always are, you know, that destroyed his season mentally. I, I and mean, you never know it. Talk to him. He's well. He you he's know. still from talking to him, Ken, and I'm sure I'm sure you get the sense too. But he still very much believes. 
he like in his in his mind and i know that that's what makes him uh alpha next level all-time great competitor like he is but he he absolutely believes that the season is not over no i i I always ask him when i when i see him at the race when i get there i go up see him shake his hand and i'm like how are we looking good you know after first qualifier how did you do oh i qualified second you know just making a few little changes you know we're going to get her right you know Mm -hmm. you will not find defeat around him you know he just refused and and that's what it takes to be a champion whether you have the number one plate or not um you know it's your attitude how you treat people the the or i guess you want to say you put around yourself Mm-hmm. Um, but at, you got to know that, man, this guy's beating the hell out of me. You know, how do you beat him? You know, I even made a comment on Instagram. I was like with a stick before the race. Maybe <laughs> I saw that. Yep. I saw that. <laughs> you know, five years ago, I, yeah, I beat him with a stick. Now I don't know. He's probably take your whipping and, and bring it back to you. Um, <laughs> I think Joel's got, you know, everything stays equal. I think he's got another at least two seasons in him where he's just the dominant rider. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're going to see age catch up to Joel Hetcher, um, which is good if you look at it from a historical kind of deal. Well, we want it to be it's competitive. Not, yeah. It, yes. It, it's not good if you're just, you know, well, hell, Hetcher's getting old. He's almost, you know, mid 30s, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Chad's what 38. I mean, and he's still out there competing at the level he is. That's amazing. It is. It's it's unreal. And then you think either of those top two guys, you love them or you hate them. But how can anybody hate? Them? I I agree. How? But there's but there's people that cheer against <laughs> number 44 because he's been so successful, right? Like that's something that you and I have both seen over the last decade. That people just that's what oh, that's. Yeah. That's what people do in America, right? Like they, you, you build them up and then you tear them down. Like that's just what, that's what society does for whatever reason. But, well, think, he, but think about what it would be like if he wasn't there. Joel Hattrick would be 30 seconds ahead in every race for the last five well, we were, years or more. We were laughing before the race. I was like, good Lord, what do you want to do? Like make him start backwards. <laughs> uh, let, let you guys have almost a lap turning loose. You know, sure. if we were joking about it, everybody was laughing, but you know, there's a lot of truth to it. Yeah, there is. There like, is. you know, when you get a bad start and you're fifth or sixth, back in the day, that meant you were fifth or sixth. Joel can come from five, six, seven, eight deep, roll right to the front, take the lead, win the race, and be hardly breathing hard at the end. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Joel Hetrick right now. It's unreal. Chad is just, an, uh, you know, a physical oddball <laughs> i mean he's so tall you don't realize how tall he is till you stand beside him and you're short right you know but he's really pays attention to, to his nutrition he's able to run with joel but i just don't see how he's going to be able to keep joel fended off mm-hmm. even if he was to get out front Joel's coming. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, with, with Chad, like, obviously he's figured out what he needs to do to be able to compete at the level he's competing at 38 years old. Right. Right. Like that's something that he's figured out over the years. We have not seen since he's been on a Yamaha and figured all this stuff out for the past 10 to 11, 12 years. Now we've never seen us get to the sixth race of the year and had him not win a race yet. So if it's going to happen, and, and I know that he's, 
I know that the collarbone is still a factor. He's not, he doesn't feel like a hundred percent. It is sore. I know those things. Right. Um, sure. If it's yeah. going to happen, it's going to happen at sunset Ridge. Um, but I just, like you said, and I love Chad just the same as you do. I just don't see a way that Joel Hetrick, like, I don't think that anybody can go faster than he's going right now. Even if your name is Chad Weenan, you know, I, I just, I don't right. think it's possible. No, you're exactly right. And that's kind of what I was trying to say, but you put the words better. You know, Joel is just so fast right now. I don't know, you know, uh, good Lord, what's his take? <laughs> you know, nobody yeah. has that answer. Yeah. Um, if you had that answer and the, the talent, you know, then you, who do you look at? Do you say Chad's going to do it? Say Bryce's going to do it? I think Bryce acts timid around when he gets up front. I think he, he's not as aggressive as he could be, but we're talking open wheel, open wheel racing. You know, you get mm-hmm. too aggressive, you end up on your side. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, and nobody wants to race with somebody like that. No. And um, I think, I do think that we saw it like there was one pass. It was the first moto around that left-hander in front of kind of the crowd there after the start, it was mid moto and Bryce Ford made an absolutely picture perfect sliding move up the inside of Brandon Hogue. And it was amazing. It was a sight to see. It was perfect. Nice. So I, I do think that, I mean, he's got it in him, right? But but yes, I, I and, and it's probably like natural. I mean, I was never Bryce Ford, but even being me, like if I was near Weenan, Natalie, Hetrick, Upperman, even like Thomas Brown, any of those guys, I was like, man, like, I don't, these guys are greats. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with their race day. And, and I do think, right. and I've said that before on these shows, Bryce Ford is at that level that he doesn't need to feel that way, but maybe he does a little bit, you know, like he's grown up watching these dudes in the pro class, basically his whole life. Yeah, I mean, I get. I mean, you know, I, you'd have to ask him. You know, put yeah. it to him like that, just because I think he just needs some a little push. Like, yeah, we know you got it in you. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not the lack of talent. It's not the lack of equipment. You know, you just got to go out there and do it. At the same um, time, and I mentioned this comment a little bit earlier, but I was standing in the tower. You know, around a lot of his crew, right? And like, yes, you're bummed that Chad Weenan passes you, but I kept, I was literally sitting there thinking it's Chad Weenan that passed you. Like, you know, not, not some stooge, not even some dude that's on your career path right now. Like it was Chad Weenan that, you know, like he's got so much muscle memory that it's like, he could probably make that move in his sleep. And I mean, no disrespect in saying that. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I think I, I, th- I truly think all the stuff that Bryce is learning from racing with those top two, I mean, look at Bryce, he's been on the podium every race this year, but one, and, yeah. and won one and, and all the stuff he's been doing, leading laps, winning motos, winning an overall this year podium, you know, he was on a four race podium streak coming into last, last race at, at high point. So all new things that he had never done, all the stuff he's adding to his bag of tricks right now, learning from those guys, being on the quad cross of nations team, winning over there, all of that stuff, man, it's, it's just like adding adding, adding abilities, adding things to his bag of tricks. I think it's really going to pay off in the long run. I still have a feeling he's flying under the radar. Okay. I just don't think, you know what I mean? Like when you talk about Patrick, when you talk about Chad, Wien, there's guarantees in what you're saying. You can prove what you're saying with Bryce. It's a flash of greatness. It was a pass here. It was awesome. He's got to go out there and take the race. Is Joel Hetrick as fast? With 
somebody on his rear end dogging him, or is he as fast, or is you know you let him go and he's got thirty seconds on you? Yeah, I mean that's how I mean that's how I'd go after Hetrick or or Walker Fowler or any of the guys that are top. It's like I'm going to get you know clamp onto your your shirt tails and you're not getting rid of me. You know, make that force those mistakes. You know, when he's out there, I guess there's something to be said if you're all alone, your mind starts to wander. But it's sure Joel's just a, a unnatural. <laughs> right. I mean, his operates one speed. But if he would go out there, if he could get on Joel Hetrick early and dog him, even if he got second or even fell back to third, he's going to start making Hetrick think about things. You know, I can't do this. I can't. I better save a little energy. You know, you know, maybe different times during the moto would be the time to put pressure on it. I mean, that is observation. I'm not absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. But you've been around it. You know what you're talking about. Everything you're saying makes sense. I do think, and I and I wonder this, and I guess I'll propose this idea to you or this thought. So, last year, the way last year ended. And the way the things that we saw last year, we saw Brandon Hogue nearly win the opener. We saw him damn near win Iron Man. He came one corner away and his bike failed on him and, and that cost him Iron Man overall. We saw so that that's possibly two overalls he missed out on. Uh he blew up running in second at Briarcliff. So he was a guy, especially talking to him last year, that thought like he's like I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He, he said to me, I, I've, I know what Joel's doing. I know I can mimic it. And I think I can do some things better in his preparation or, or whatever. So I wonder in an alt, in a, in a different world. And I'm glad Brandon's got the opportunity. He did. I know he wanted to go to a Yamaha. I know he felt like it was the right move for him. He's running a lot of the same components, all those things. But I remember telling him last year, are you sure you want to do this, man? Are you sure you want to do this? Because the music thing was really, really good, especially for, I know he blew up some motors and like there was stuff that happened. Don't get me wrong, but the program was really, really good. And those guys are really, really meticulous about, about what they do. So then, so I just, and I, I think to myself and I hope that we get back to, you know, where Brandon on his new team, Westland Motorsports, I think is what it's called. I hope on the Yamaha that he gets to the the version of himself that we saw last year. But I just wonder to myself in a, in a different universe and maybe the Honda couldn't, I'm not saying he could have went Joel Hetrick speed, but if we could have just rolled Brandon Hogue from last year over into this year on that same program. And I would have loved to have seen what that looks like, you know, cause I think that like we knew I said on the, on shows coming into the year that there was going to be growing pains for a new team and a new program and a new machine. There always is but I would have loved to have seen what last year's Brandon Hogue looked like in this mix as well, because he was a guy mentally and he, we know how fierce he is and how competitive he is and how determined he is and how, you know, hard headstrong, all whatever words you want to use, but he's a guy that mentally, at least in the off season, I remember saying to myself, like, he's a guy that has it, that, that literally could be a guy that pushes the dudes at the front. I would, I, I really hope that we see Brandon Hogue get back to that. Cause again, mentally, and that's kind of what you're hitting on with Bryce mentally, Brandon Hogue has it. Yeah. He, 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 but again, see he's not, he's not flying under the radar. He fell off the radar. You know, I mean, he was there, he was up front, he was fighting, you know, doing great. Then he makes an all season change, comes back with a, you know, on the Yamaha, 
Um, and I don't care what you ride, you know, you pretty much yeah. only got really one fish nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but how long is it going to take him to adapt? His riding style isn't that much different than the other top riders I see where Hedrick went right to a Yamaha, even though there were some, you know, issues with him, whether, you know, he'll admit it or not, it has to be the bike's longer. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Different, it's different quad. Yeah. Way more powerful, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's coming off that track and that bike's running at a hundred percent, then he's got to ask himself what needs fixed. Is it the quad? Is it me? Because I, I just, I, you know, I, I don't get to talk to Brandon a lot. Um, he's real shy. It seems like. Yeah. Yep. I get that a lot from, from people. Yep. And when I cruise through the pits, you know, I, I'm just walking along, looking at things, you know, picking up little chit chats here and there talking. Yeah. Um, I don't have, I don't spend my entire day in the pro pits, but you know, he seems focused and driven. It's just, and I know he's got the confidence. He might be another one just needs to come on, you know, get up there and run with these guys. If you're going to blow the bike up, then blow it up. We'll figure out what went wrong. We'll fix it. It won't happen again. I mean, that's what I would tell him. But, you know, I'm not, you know, it's easy for me to say it now. And, of course, you know, somebody, well, you don't know. This is really what happened. Well, maybe it did, but you didn't make it public. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of us are have to guess. But, I mean, he's he's got it. Uh, but, you know, until he shows it, you know, he's just another name on the on the on the gate. I, again, I hope that we see it. I mean, last year at, this is when he got hot last year at this time is, is when mm-hmm. I actually at sunset Ridge, I remember vividly him saying, hopefully we can turn this season around. Well, fast forward five races or whatever, four or five race, six races, whatever it was at the time he finishes third in points and is super impressive and is our digging deep, most improved pro and all of those things. He was awesome down the stretch. So I mean, he's another guy that the season isn't over on him, but I really hope that yeah. we see it turn around for him because I also know how we all know how hard he is on himself and, uh, for his own sake, I, you know, I want him to do well so that, that it all comes together for him. Well, maybe, maybe it's not an issue of, of putting a foot in his rear end. Maybe it's an issue of telling him to go out and have some fun. Don't think it's so serious. Yeah. And that could be, you too. know, oh, you know, it, it, I wish that they were a little more open on their social media. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you're, you're more real if you just tell the truth and just say, Hey, my race sucked. You know, it, it wasn't the bike. The bike was fine. It wasn't the track because obviously everybody else had a great time. Me, mm-hmm. I just sucked and I'm going to work on that. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's what I really enjoy about some of the conversations on here. They might not tell me that, you know, that, that about an actual event, but I, you know, we had Jeffrey Rastrelli on and, and told us the stuff that he was dealing with before the season, that his head wasn't in a good place because they were changing things just days before the opener. Same thing. We're going to talk to a pre-recorded, uh, a conversation with Nick Janusa. And he talked about stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And we know stuff he was dealing with last year and, and things that I just, I love to hear some of those things because again, it, it might change your perspective completely on somebody's race, on somebody's season. On like, I love to know what people have going on behind the scenes. Cause it changes the whole story. The whole context changes. And that's something that I really enjoy what we're doing here because, uh, yeah. that, that this isn't something that necessarily existed before digging deep, you know? Yeah. You get to, you get to hear it. I mean, yeah. there's times driving, you know, to or from a race and I'll just, you post a link and I'll listen to it. And it's like, huh, well, that's pretty dang cool. You know, I didn't know that. 
Mm-hmm. That's one reason why I don't go out and just talk a bunch of crap because you just never know what somebody's story is until you know. Sure. People are like, oh, he's getting lazy. You know, he's not, he's only shooting pros. He's doing this. People, <laughs> I, I'm not lazy by any stretch of the word. I just physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's everything is a learning process. And it's just like these racers, you know, they plan, they practice, they have, you know, goals and you do everything you can and it's, you still come up short. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing is I come up short. I end up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, I see you <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm an expert at getting out of intensive care. Yeah. I found that out. I left it uh, not this year. I guess it was last year. I honestly don't remember, but, uh, Rodney Tomlin was walking across the by racer TV and I said, Rodney, I'm sick. I've got to uh I can't make it to the media center where you drop my vest off. And he said, Yeah, you're right. I was like, I just don't feel good. Got in the truck there, two hours north. A couple people called just to see how I was doing because I just kind of left and uh felt pretty good. Got the race report written, got my pictures out, and went to go to bed. And next thing I know, I was in the bathroom just Throwing up blood, um, repacked this. all my gear. Yeah, because I knew I was I was going to hospital. I repacked all my gear. I cleaned the bathroom up. Went to uh, the local hospital. They put me in intensive care. I think I got eight or nine pints of blood or units of blood, whatever they call it. They did surgery on me, and I came out of surgery. My wife said around twelve thirty. They called her, and at four thirty, I woke up, and me and this curly headed male nurse got into it and I checked myself out of the hospital. So I'd left there and my wife was like, well, just come home, please come home. And I, I don't remember the conversation, but she said, I said, 16 to Macon. That's where the GNCC is. I got people there. And that's the last she heard of me for hours. Oh, sure. You knew you could get there. You could get help because yeah. I could help. And I was, you know, that's three hours away, but uh, I made it. I made it there and uh, I had to go back in the hospital the next day and more surgery. And uh, they wouldn't let me shoot the race. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up, <laughs> but um, they didn't let me shoot the race. They figured I better go home. Um, but I waited till, till go home when everybody else was going home. That way I've helped all the way. Sure. Um, yep. You know, that, that says a lot about what this, you know, entire racing community will do for you. Yeah. You know, my wife has never had so many emails and texts and phone calls. And she's like, I was talking to people I didn't even know. You know, and they were telling me they'll do this. And just, you know, that's, that's a good feeling. Um, yeah. You know, and the series was really good about it. And that's what makes me happy. You know, when you work a little harder for these guys to get them the, hopefully the, the attention they need. Um, you know, the series is fully behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have never, never heard the head of the of this series tell me anything negative about it other than how can we improve uh what can we do to make it better you know now there is business sides to it you know of of course course. yep um you know just because you want something to happen doesn't mean you can just throw money wildly at it Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's uh been a pretty wild ride yeah, like you said at the start of this this conversation, I'm just glad that you got to a place where, you know, not only are you here with me and discussing it and all that stuff, but you're still at the races, you're still shooting them. 
again, like it was in the social media side of digging deep is a huge part of what we do. Like I, I really, really enjoy that because not everybody wants to sit down and listen to a couple hours of coverage, right? That's not for everybody, but you know, that we can cover a snippet of somebody's story or at least their weekend or whatever on the social media side of things, but without photos, like it's, it's relatively meaningless. And you know, for, so for you, you know, making your stuff available for people like me and, and Tremellon does the same thing, which I'm super, super thankful for, you know, both of you are like, Hey, you know, whatever, whatever you want to use, whatever you need, uh, go ahead and use it. And, and that is awesome for me because I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know what it would cost, right. To, to contract, you know, somebody to, to, for me to use their, their stuff for a, for a season or whatever. I don't know what that cost would be either way. That's not the way that the conversation went with, with somebody like you. And, and that means a ton to me. So, so kind of going back to what I had said earlier, when you weren't at the races, that was really, really tough. you know, like, I had to find other ways to, to make it work and, and photos to post and stuff. And that stunk, you know, and, and your stuff yeah. is on a, you know, such a high level, you know, you, we know what you're, we're getting from Ken Hill photos and, uh, and yeah, it was just, just tough not to have that. And, and, you know, it really did give me a whole new appreciation. It's same thing that I say for, you know, when we're watching Joel Hetrick or Chad Weenan, like, man, like with Chad, you know, he's 38 years old. Like I'm uh, want to appreciate uh, the, the time that we have still watching him compete and, and same thing with you, Ken, I, I, I don't take for granted at all the, the photos, the race reports, the coverage, the care that you have for these people and the riders and the sport. Uh, again, I don't take that for granted. I don't overlook that just like, I don't want to overlook how good Joel Hetrick is right now. Like it's so easy to just say, yep, Joel's 15 seconds out front. You know, that's no surprise. Like that isn't just a given either, you know? So, um, just tying that all together, man, I, I appreciate everything you do so much. And especially, especially for me again, it's just so awesome to have this conversation because so much of what you have been saying is kind of something that I try to mirror, right? is, is with digging deep. I literally just want everybody that I want these riders. I want the sport to be 1% better because of the stuff that I'm doing and, uh, or stuff that we're doing at digging deep. Um, some of the motivation, and I've, this is a conversation or a, or a topic that I've talked about time and time again, I told people this, this last weekend at, at Ironman, a lot of my motivation with digging deep from day one was as a rider you know, so my best finishes in the pro class were sixth or seventh and nobody really knows. Nobody really knows about that when you're a sixth or seventh place or eighth place rider. And if you finish right. that, you know, you, like there, it's just a, there was a little bit of a void there, right? Like it's nobody's fault necessarily. And that's why I really try to give everybody, I mean, everybody's name in the pro class gets mentioned. We try to mention the, the people that really flash in the amateur classes, just like you, I wish I could do more, but, but yeah. you, you can only spread yourself so thin, but I really, right. I really hope. And, and that's one of my biggest motivating factors. Is I just want everybody to get what they deserve. I want, you know, when, when you kind of touched on it before dude working up, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week and all that stuff. Like I, I love the fact that we can tell 
you know, at least fill in the story a little bit on, you know, Wesley Wolf and why he might be different. His situation is maybe different than dudes he's racing against, like, you know, Logan Stanfield. Logan Stanfield might be, you know, down at Decker's in the preseason, riding nonstop while Wesley is on top of a roof somewhere. And then he's racing what? against Kevin Saar, who's from a five-time European champion, and and he's added to that mix. And I just, again, love what love everything you do and how much you care. And I'm just trying to emulate kind of the same thing, just in a different manner, but I care about it just the same. And I want the best for these guys. And I want the best for the people that love taking in the content, you know, that there's like, that's another thing that where it started at the beginning is I'd be in the race shop listening to dirt bike podcasts, because in my mind, I could translate what they're talking about to ATVs. And there was no ATV podcast out there to listen to. And I love the fact when somebody says, yeah, we listen every week on the way to the races, we listen in the race shop when we're wrenching on the quads or whatever we, you know, me and my dad listen. And, and that's how we, you know, get the insight for our fantasy team next week. Like all of those little things, means so much to me and it's very much in the in the realm of you know the conversation you and i have just had well i mean it's uh you're doing the best you can with what you got and trying to find a way to to tell these guys stories i mean i admire it i think it's it's pretty cool a lot of people just don't understand the differences between like say what group does you know he's got to go up get interviews with these guys for the TV show, and then he's got his own thing with what's it called, the ride. The ride, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I literally live so far back in the sticks. I just don't have the internet to watch all that stuff. Oh, okay, sure. It's not, it's not that I don't want to, mm-hmm. but after 15 minutes of the of something buffering, I'm I'm wasting. <laughs> I'm over it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, when I'm on the road out on the highway, sometimes I catch them. I can't watch it, but I listen to it. Yep. Um, and good it's good for the sport you know it's uh it's good for the sponsors which i wish they were more of remember what i said earlier about everybody from the pro to the amateur has to run this race like a business yep same thing you never set out and did anything super great in the pro class where everybody knows cody jansen's name right yep but i guarantee you you have had more of an impact because you're a good ambassador to your sponsors and I watched that over the years and I watched that today. You know, I get these companies that pay me to take pictures of their, of their riders and I get phone calls and emails and texts. Hey, how was so-and-so? How was their pit? You know, they want to know mm-hmm. for sure because they're they're whatever money they're investing in it, you know, they want return on that. Mm-hmm. But what yeah. return are we giving them? Yeah. Well, you saying that, uh, you know, that's something I'm super proud of, uh, something I was conscious of for a lot of years, you know, um, a lot of people that supported me made it possible, you know, wouldn't have been possible without the support of a lot of people there. But, but yeah, I, I always tried to be an ambassador because I grew up dreaming of, you know, being Chad Wienan, uh, being Dustin Wimmer, Josh Creamer, oh, John, John Natale, Doug Gust. That's what I wanted to be. And I never got there. Right. But didn't mean that I wasn't going to take everything I did as seriously as I possibly could. And still today, you know, like, again, I never made it to be, I never like made it to be even at the level that I was super proud of, you know, like I made it mid pack pro. Like I, I'm not proud to say that I wanted to be, I wanted to be a champion. I wanted to get a top three. I wanted to get a top five, but I love what, what 
some of the voids the that we're, we're filling with this. I really, really do. Because again, without, without digging deep, and I don't want to make it sound bigger than it is, but without digging deep, there would be a lot less content out there for people that love it. You know, like, like I do, like I did growing up. I love the fact that, you know, somebody, there's a kid out there on a lawnmower right now, listening to this or working on his bike or working on his quad or in the gym or driving to the practice track. Like I, I love all, all of those things. I love the fact that we have the fantasy game and got the riders literally talk to me about the fantasy game every weekend, every week <laughs> that guys come up to them and say, man, you're on my fantasy team this week. I love that. I love that it fits in with digging deep so well, because again, my mission statement from the beginning was to make it so that people were paying attention to Adam Allrick the same way or, or best they can as they are to Chad Weenan. Joel Hattrick, Bryce Ford with the fantasy game. You have, you're literally watching those guys. It's the dudes that are at the, at maybe the tail end of the pack that are the guys that make the difference in the game that, that make the difference in somebody winning and, or, or not winning that week. Like I, I adore that. I adore that. People look at Logan Stanfield as a weekly staple to their fantasy team. And they pay attention to a guy who Logan does really well, but they're paying attention every weekend to a guy that's in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, like that isn't something that was necessarily happening before this conversation and where I'm at is all over the place. But like, I, I wish the sport was, I wish the sport was where we all want it to be, where you and I both wish it was, but I'm proud of what we're doing that's for sure. Yeah, that's well, of course. And and like I said, I wouldn't wouldn't support you the way that I have over the years if I didn't think you were worthy of it. Sometimes you don't go after the number one, you go after the number six or seven because he is the guy who's gonna do the hard work, he's gonna roll up his sleeves, gonna get it done. You know, like I said, I I'm a business guy. Yep. I, my dad was a horse trader and I sure. love making money. Yep. Um I love having success. And sometimes my success comes from someone else because I push them in that direction. Sure. Yep. You know, I, 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 maybe I critique them pretty hard, but I knew they could do better. Yeah. You know, and, and if I went up to him and said, Hey, can I offer you a critique? You know, can I do this without hurting your feelings? Sorry, dude. I was raised, you know, a few generations before you, I'm going to, I'm going to use what I know and what I've learned to manipulate you to do better. Absolutely. Because yeah. If you're out here and while I'm in this industry and while I'm in this sport, and if you're out here, then damn it, you're going to do things, you know, the way to the level I think they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you start something new, you know, you come up with something new. That's great, but you can do better. It would be like a pro rider, you know, guy hanging back in 10th place, you know, you know, he could do better, but he's too busy drinking beer, you know, in between motos, you know, and it's like, dude, Stop drinking 12 pack between motos, you know, maybe jog a few miles a week. You know, you're going to do, you're going to do good. You know? You're better than this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're better than this. Uh, well, I haven't done my ma, ma, where's my meatloaf? <laughs> but, uh, Mom, the meatloaf. Yeah. Meatloaf. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, just, you know, you've got to have fun with it. And, and I apologize to anybody that, you know, I've screwed with over the years because like I said, I will literally walk up to you with a straight face and tell you something and walk away and let you think I'm the biggest jerk a-hole in the world. (laughs) 
but I can also go and look at the results of that and smile and go, yep, I knew he could do it. I knew he could do it, you know, and I don't want credit for it because they did it, but maybe they're not getting, being told what they need to be told. You know, the, the picture quality, if you've got a, a, just a decent camera and lens, you can shoot with me or anybody else out there. I, I don't even use a professional camera body anymore. I mean, I just use run of the mill, you know, consumer cameras because I destroy them because sure. of the conditions you know, that I have to shoot in. Of course. And it's better to replace them every year than it is to replace an $8,000 camera that might last a year and a half. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, you know, you, you, you don't you won't have to have gear envy or, oh, he only takes good pictures because he's got, you know, great, great cameras or whatever. Trust me, my stuff is junk. We don't even <laughs> sell my stuff. Um, when it's done, it's done. But, I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to have the best of everything. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with the series and, and racing in general. We don't have to have the best of everything, but we can do better. You're wanting it to be more. You're wanting it to be better for all the people you care about. You're wanting it to be what it's at its core. It's capable of being, you know, like it's a, it's a gnarly sport. It's badass. Who who knows what it's capable of. Nobody's ever approached it with a true business model. Right. You know, it, look, the pros at the GNCCs are always at the podium throwing out stuff like if they get on the podium you throw out maybe some hats some koozies whatever sure you don't see very part of any of that at the atvm x-rays sure but if a kid walked up and you handed them what do you you know what are you interested in oh i like four-wheelers you know and you handed them a pamphlet for a yamaha mini four-wheeler mm-hmm. or maybe the guy's 14 you know the kid's 14 handing one for a YSC, and it's free it's free yamaha will send you that stuff Oh yeah, for sure. You know, the, imagine calling your manufacturer and going, Hey, so-and-so. Yeah. Hey, I need some brochures. What for? Well, I want to start handing them out. Yeah. It's the little things like that. If you can get that guy to, wow, that was really cool. I mean, Chad Weenan told me, you know, he gave you that brochure. Well, and you, of course, yeah. as a kid, I mean, this goes into the business mode as a kid. Now you've given him a brochure with, with his, a four-wheeler on it. Yeah. He is not going to leave that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He's going to work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I hope that you're planting some seeds Ken, right now in, in people's heads. I really do. And, and you can best believe that I'm going to make a call as a Yamaha ambassador myself. I'm going to make a call to my Yamaha rep and, and get some brochures, even if we leave them, you know, even if they're on the, you know, on the, on the table outside the tent at the races, anything we can do to fill some gaps. I, I love the idea. It, it, it's all about connections, right? It's like about, um, same thing I think about with social media. It's, it's, uh, eliminating multiple clicks. It's, it's leading people to the source easily. That's something that, that I take into consideration every day with digging deep stuff. You don't want it to be complicated for them to find our podcasts. Same exact thing that you're talking about with this. It leads somebody who is, you know, every weekend, a dad brings a son, a son or a daughter to the races that have never seen it before. We don't have tons of fans, but there, that happens every weekend. And you're trying well, to, to fill the gaps, to make the connections from, Hey, we're going to go watch an ATV race to how do I get an ATV and get my, my son or daughter on one and, and start this whole process like it did for me 30 years ago. Well, and like I said, it, it, maybe that kid does get a, a, a you know, a, a mini four wheeler. Maybe he never races. Right. 
But once you know yourself and everybody listening, once you get into this, it's got a hold of you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Bit by the boat. Yeah, yeah. You've got a ride. Next thing you know, dad buys one. You know, that's how it works. And it comes full circle, right? Because if there was, if there was enough people locally, if there was enough people banging on the promoter's doors of local tracks across the country for a place Uh for ATVs to ride, if there was enough of them, they would take our money. They would. It's just the fact that tracks everywhere open up to having a quad ride on a Wednesday night or a Sunday afternoon and three or four quads show up and then dirt bikes aren't happy and it's not worth it for them to upset the dirt bike guys to only have a couple quads. Right. But, well, we got a whole other show talking about. <laughs> oh, I could definitely raise some, some eyebrows with what I could say about that subject, but, yeah. but no, I mean, it's just, it, it's just that one thing you can, and you can apply that to other things. And that's how you get the outside support. Yeah, exactly. You know, Walsh is only going to be able to do so much for so, so many. Auburn, same way, you know, mm-hmm. Lone Star. You know, they can only do so much. Right. So we've got to look outside the industry. And this has been talked at a million times before. Um, you know, the series has gone after outside sponsors. It never seems to work out. But damn it, don't tell me you can't do something. If a company sees return, and sometimes it's not even about return as far as products sold or dollar, it's about brand awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is where, like, I, like I said, we're not thinking everyone as a business. There's got to be a push to get this thing into the mainstream sports side, and that's a whole nother department. It is, and it's a whole nother conversation that we're going to have to save yeah. for another day. But I think that that's yeah. why that's why so many people right going back now more than 15 years, why so many people were devastated by, you know, the existence of the WPSA for two years on the ATV side. And then it folded for that exact reason. They brought it to the mainstream. You know, I don't know what the numbers looked like, but, but it was growing and it had energy drinks involved and it had factory teams involved. And there was a lot of money getting slung around there for a little while. You know, I mean, I've said this before that, that, you know, there was dudes getting paid that were, that were a factory affiliated that I was beating on the weekend as a 14 year old at the local track. And they, you know, dudes I like, like, you know, dude and dudes that would go on to be good riders do well, like Russell Shoemaker, you know, he, he rode for two factory teams. Uh, was at least affiliated with Suzuki rode for Kawasaki. Um, when I was still riding a youth quad, we were riding together, you know, with Doug and I was, I was going faster than Russell Shoemaker. So I've told the story uh, before that we got baited in dudes like Joel and Jeffrey. And those guys have been, you know, went on to do really well for themselves, especially Joel, but us from that age era got baited in because there was a lot of money getting thrown around it uh-huh. right, right. When we were coming of age, when we would have got, you know, got affiliated with one of those teams or whatever. And then it all folded right when it was time for us to get on four fifties. Like I remember literally, and maybe it was a pipe dream, but I remember, you know, winning the 300 title in 2007 and thinking, man, that was my break. Now, 
you know, somebody's going to come calling and, you know, we're going to get a bunch of support and I'm going to be on my way to riding for one of these teams in the pro class a few years from now. And maybe I was never cut out for that. That might be the case, but the, but we got baited in and then it, you know, my parents spent every dime they had to keep me in the sport for as long as they could until I could, you know, pull my own weight. And it's just, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how things happen and to review all this. And like you said, there's about five conversations there that we could talk about for hours and hours and hours. But, uh, but Ken, I, I really do, uh, I really do appreciate all that you do for the sport and, uh, and all your dedication, all your care, we got to do this some more. We didn't even barely get to any of the racing this weekend. Uh, but I don't want to <laughs> keep you, don't want to keep you anymore, but this is, this was awesome. This was as good a content as, as we've ever put out there. So man, if, if you're up for more conversations like this, we're going to have to do, do more of this as, uh, as the season and seasons go on here. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think my wife is ready for me to go out <laughs> and see the end. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to take too much of your time. And now here we are an hour and 45 minutes later. So I don't know me, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you're doing back there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, man, good, good, good chat. And, uh, I'll have to call back in some point. And as long as my health holds, I'll be doing Loretta Lynn's this year. Okay. Maybe, you know, we'll talk about how that could equal, you know, something for quads down the road. If somebody would put it, put it together. Sure. Um, the entire way that 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 whole build-up system works—it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from fifty riders all the way up to they turn pro. It's 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 uh, it's definitely a uh, a different thing than than the ATV guys are used to. But uh, yeah, definitely something to talk to about in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, I think, uh, like I said, there's, there's a lot of topics that we, uh, that I'll have to jot down in my notebook as, uh, as I edit this thing. But, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for your time. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate all you do. I appreciate your support of digging deep and, and allowing me to use your stuff. And like I said, I am not uh, afraid to pay like I, like I do from seemingly, seemingly every other day for the past couple of weeks, I've been, you know, stealing stuff, finding something I want, uh, I want to be able to post the, you know, the highest quality version of a, of a photo or whatever. So I appreciate, I appreciate it all, Ken, all the years of, of uh, everything that you've done. I appreciate it so much. And and, I, and again, I look forward to doing more of this. All right. Guarantee it. Awesome, buddy. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you at Sunset Ridge, right? Yep. Good Lord willing. Awesome, Ken. I appreciate it so much and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. That is series photographer Ken Hill right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast presented by Valvoline. Thanks so much, Ken. Man, what a show, what a night, and what an awesome cast for this one. Ken Hill was amazing. Looking forward to doing more with him in the future. But before we do our outro, I did not forget, we got to do our SSI decals, top five storylines, heading into round six at Sunset Ridge, Walnut, Illinois, our favorite here in the Midwest, of course. Storyline number five that we're watching is, do we see a bounce back ride from Jeffrey Rastrelli? Obviously, we know that he doesn't have a good taste in his mouth after that sixth overall this past weekend. 
Could be a bounce back ride for him, especially on those kind of Florida-like conditions. Storyline number four that we are tracking in our SSI decals top five storylines heading into round six is Max Linquist. He is absolutely trending in the right direction. Things are starting to go right for him. Made some changes, right? Made some changes to his program. He's getting better and better and better. And I think that that's going to culminate. I think we could we could very, I'm almost going to say likely, see a top five out of Max Linquist this weekend. Storyline number three that we are tracking is a guy that was just on this episode, Nick Janusa. He's on the hunt for a podium. He is trending in the right direction. And like we talked about with him, hole shots are going to be key. These are conditions that he's going to be very familiar with and he's going to feel comfortable on. And he's going to be a rider to watch this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised. And maybe I'll go right into my storyline number two here. I wouldn't be surprised if that podium spot comes down to Nick Janusa and Brandon Hogue. Brandon Hogue being our storyline number two that we're watching, he's clearly trending upward. He talked about it was very close to being a podium day for him. Maybe it would have been if not for those unforeseen circumstances in the first moto there that resulted in a sixth. But he is trending in the right direction and stoked to talk to him ahead of Sunset Ridge because we know he was so good at Sunset Ridge a year ago. He's going to be a guy to watch as well. And then our storyline number one, I think that this one's a an obvious one for this round at Sunset Ridge is can Chad Weenan get that first win of the season on home soil for him? Obviously, like I said earlier in this episode, we have never seen it take him this long since he's been on a Yamaha to get his first win of the season. So that is something that we're tracking going forward. Can Chad Weenan put it on the top of the box at his home race? If he's going to do it, if he's going to, if he's going to get his first win here anytime soon, you got to believe that it's going to be at Sunset Sunset Ridge. We got to run. I know we're running long, but I do quickly want to just touch on the amateur classes. So the Pro-Am class, as we referenced earlier, Kevin Saar gets his first win on American soil in the Pro-Am class. Congrats to him. Joey Chambers goes second in Pro-Am. He was so impressive. He was doing this really sweet wheelie over the, the single before the big triple jump in the middle of the track. It was an absolute blast to watch. So Joey Chambers earns that second overall in Pro-Am. And Mason Jackson, who's been red hot hot so far this season ends up on the podium in third. In pro sport, Mason Jackson got the win in that one. Blair Miller came up second, Joey Chambers third. Where was Brett Musig, you ask? Uh, he actually got in a little, just a, I think a slight get off in the second moto after winning his heat. He ends up fourth overall in pro sport. A name I don't know I've mentioned yet so far this season, Blaine Thomas got a pair of wins in the C classes. He's from Quincy, Illinois. Shout out to the Dyer family. Cody Houghton, uh, TT specialist, I believe, for if I know a little bit about his story. Uh, shout out to him for getting a win in one of the A classes and the college boy class as well. No surprise here, Jeffrey Robbins got a pair of wins in the vet classes. Jason Jackson, another win for him in the Master 50 Plus class. I wonder how he did in fantasy. I'll have to, have to ask him about that. In WMX, it was Kinsey Osborne going 1-1. Andrea Berger, welcome back, Andrea, a former series champion, gets uh, second overall. And Neve Shaw ends up third overall on the box in the WMX class. Natalie Jackson won the women's 15-plus class. The 250 classes were highly competitive this past weekend with Landon Korn getting a pair of wins, Vincent Dillon winning the other. I know Lillian Plaza got a couple wins in the girls and schoolgirl classes. I think Styles West got a couple wins as well for him. Might have even been three overalls for Styles West. He was on the podium all day on Sunday. And last shout out we'll give is Ethan Cornell, I believe, got a pair of wins as well on Sunday. 
But that's going to do it for our amateur coverage from Ironman. Congrats to all the riders that got overall wins, of course. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We crammed so much into this one. It's crazy how much work goes into one of these episodes. I mean, literally locking myself in my office for two full days straight from sunup to well past sundown to, to put these together. So I appreciate everybody that does listen. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Ken Hill, Brandon Hogue, and Nick Janusa. Thanks to our producer, Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to, I already thanked Ken, but thanks to our photographers that help us out, Ken Hill and Tremellen Media House, Logan Tremellen over there. Shout out to those guys. Thanks to all of our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to all of our partners, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Welcome back, Valvoline. We're so stoked about that. SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymar Financial Group, DP Breaks, Factory 43, Binkies Forever ATC Museum, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATBMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. As you know by now, you can find the latest in ATV Fantasy from season standings to event winners. That can all be found at ATVFantasy.com. Shout out to our winners from round five, Evan C3, Bitten, 3D Racing, Team Orange 849, and 117. Uh, credit to you guys. I got second. I'm feeling almost like a win, but it was uh, a stinger to get that close and not get the win. And you can also find our alternative logo shirts and hoodies. Those are all new. And the rest of our apparel, you can find that at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com as well. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. You can leave us a voicemail. We'd love to play it on the show. That number is 9 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content coverage and more fun stuff throughout the 2023 season here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATBMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Ken Hill, Brandon Hogue, Nick Janusa, Brooke Jansen, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening and making us the most listened to podcast in ATV racing with more than 216,000 downloads last month in 103 total countries. Until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV motocross. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad are freaking